Yeah, let's go. Hey. Weird. It never does that. Now it does that all the it time. It does it all the time now. Let's go. This is the five on five podcast presented by directmusicservice.com and Nukes Hot Sauce. I am Phenom. To my right down the street from me, Jupiter Williams. Whoa, whoa. Coming to you live from the desert, it's Quartz Lopez. Make some noise. <laughs> yes. And our yeah. special guest today, out east, this man needs no introduction. Wait Travis, a minute. He does him, it? Travis, tell him who it is. It's the motherfucking legend. It's Cosmo the legend. Baker. Let's go. Boop, 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 boop. How are we doing, sir? We're happy to have you here. And I'm glad to be here, actually. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Hold on. Coming up, buddy. Hold on. I got my guy right here. He's on the floor. Hey, I got my dog. He's gonna make a cameo appearance at some point during this podcast. So, uh, his, his mother hey, cameo. Hey. might as well introduce him right off the top. <laughs> off the jump, Cosmo, it's a no brainer to have you on the show as a man that knows all music at all times. Um, just your resume alone is uncomparable. <laughs> like, there's nothing, there's nothing yeah. that anyone can do. Sense. It just, it doesn't make sense. It's like, it's, it's like his resume is like a billboard top 100. Yeah. <laughs> like, what what has, are we looking at? What are we looking at here right now? Are we looking at top 100 or Cosmo? Has performed alongside the music industry. Yes. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Period. The back, top to bottom. Cosmo, you've been there for every big moment, it seems. And we definitely want to talk to you about that today. Uh, what we do here every week, we compare two artists head to head their top five songs as viewed most popular on Spotify. We go five rounds. It gets weird. Travis, what two artists are we comparing today? We're comparing The Roots versus N.E.R.D. Whoa. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Good. Yes, we're, sir. we're putting Cosmo in the hot seat from the jump. Uh, we're going five rounds today. Travis, start us off with round one. All right, round one. We have The Roots, You Got Me versus N.E.R.D. Lemon. Cosmo, we'll start with you first. Okay, all right. Um, so full disclosure, before we go any further into this, you know, I'm a Philadelphian. I'm a native Philadelphian. Mm -hmm. uh, I also am friends with the Roots. I've known them since before they were the Roots. They were the Square Roots, you know. Um, you know, I don't even think they had the name the Square Roots, actually, when we became friends. So this is back in the early 90s. Dang. So I, this, this full disclosure uh, about that, so I don't want there to be any sort of bias in regards to this, between You Got Me and Lemon, I might have to go lemon. Whoa. 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 Never, never in a million years did I see that coming. No, I did either. Never in a million. I mean, I can, do you want me to? Please. Oh, You're yeah. totally allowed to, yeah. All right, so you got me arguably one of the Roots' biggest records, if not their biggest record. I believe they won a Grammy for it, right? Yes, yes. Uh, it was a record that features Erica Badu, uh -huh. obviously, whom I love and I also know. Uh, it was also written by Jill Scott, exactly. who, who is a friend of mine actually went to school with Jill. 
So I've known Jill since before she was a singer, right? Um, I vividly remember this time in history, in Philadelphia history, because um, uh, I was doing a Monday night party uh, at this place called Fluid. It was me and Rich Medina. Uh, eventually, Amir Questlove started a Saturday night party there uh, at Fluid. They called that Tasty Treats. It was him and another friend of ours, Mike Nice. There was also a Thursday night party, which was called Platinum. That was the drum and bass night, right? And that was run by a guy named Diesel Boy, who was a pretty big name in the drum and bass world, right? You know, so um, that was kind of my introduction into drum and bass. And I know that Amir has always talked about how he would go to uh, London when they were touring. And then we'd go to, I believe, like the Jazz Cafe, you know, and that was his first, his first uh introduction to drum and bass and so the the very end of the the song which has the cool like halftime yeah. double thing right yeah so like it was a really cool nod to both his uh his experiences on the road but also what was happening back in philly at the time this is the late 90s mm -hmm. so an incredible record incredible uh performances both in front of the microphone and also behind the scenes writing it across the board that said that said being a huge nerd fan from jump, right? I loved how the fact that they were able to come back and drop Lemon, which came out in what, 2015? No, about 2018. 18. Okay, so yeah. even later, right? So considering the fact that that record came out almost 20 some years after their first debut, right? Mm -hmm. They not only knocked it out of the park on the sense of it was a jam, right? They also had Rihanna. Yeah. Right. But it was very much a song to me that was the NR NERD sound, but updated 15 plus years later and still sounding very fresh. Yeah. Right. So, so to me, it was more of more than just a return to, to form for them. It was them kind of like saying, hey, like we're not just changing the game, but like we're ahead of the game again, 15 years after the finish. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it also like just from club playing perspective like you can't really play you got me in a club that is right. true that is true the remix there's a remix you got me which is about 96 bpms has a cool um steel drum sample and i think it's got eve on it mm. um, you know yeah then you can play in the club mm -hmm. but anyway so yeah Dang. that's surprising <laughs> you guys hear you guys heard it here first directmusicservice.com <laughs> five on five podcast yeah, you can find lemon on directmusicservice.com <laughs> i bet you can i bet you can find like a scooter or a danny diggs remix of it yeah i'm sure. sure uh neek um, yeah neek i uh do i i like the sentiment of the idea that this is like nerd's comeback record after like 20 years which is kind of fucking crazy to think about um I'm ahead. I like them, but you got me is just a jam. I'm not playing Lemon in my car. Like <laughs> I'm playing You Got Me in My Car. I just personally like that song better. So I'm going with that. All right. Uh Colin. This sucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go Lemon just because I play Lemon out all the yeah. time. I only play like that second half of it, obviously, because a lot of people get confused in the beginning because things are going real fast. But uh, man, the, both are 
great fucking records. Yeah. I'm just gonna sway a little bit more towards Lemon. Yeah, I only play the the Drake remix of of Lemon. And Lin, Lemon has a good nod to um to the Nola Nola bounce sound yeah. sound to it. That's why I love that song. Yeah. All right, round two, round two. We're gonna go with the roots, the seed 2.0 versus ah actually hold on, hold on, pause. It was lemon, it was lemon remix. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a lemon again. I'm gonna do a lemon again. You gotta go to uh, we're gonna go six. with uh Rockstar. Whoa. What? Yeah. Now take it back to lemon. That's fine. We'll go back. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, the seed versus Rockstar. Ooh. Yo, that's a crazy matchup. That's sick. Hey, Neek, what you got there? Oh shit. <laughs> that's too tough. This one's genuinely tough. The last one I was like, ah, I like a mold, but like yeah. This one is really hard. Like, this is probably my favorite NERG song with one of my favorite root songs. This is how I found out about Cody Chestnut. And, mm -hmm. yeah, shout out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shout out Cody Chestnut, the coolest dude. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going with nostalgia. They're both nostalgia. Yeah. Damn, I can't. I, I'm going with the roots, man. I, I'm gonna go with the roots, and right. I still really like the <laughs> rock star. That could change tomorrow. That could that change. change honestly. That could change an hour from now. So yeah. I'm just gonna go with the roots and just say that. Okay. All right, Cosmo. Yo, like Nico said, man, this is really tough, especially because when you frame it in the sense of what was happening in your life, personally, professionally, as DJs, what we were doing when both of those songs came out, right? You know, mm -hmm. and how hard both of those songs went, mm -hmm. both in the club and just kind of when you'd be listening to it. So um, also going nostalgia, I'm gonna go Roots. I'm gonna go Roots because I just have too many fond memories of playing that song yeah. out and in the club and how much of a, of a, not in a bad way, but how much of a crossover that was, mm -hmm. you know, especially mm -hmm. in Brooklyn in the early 2000s when all that kind of like, you know, indie rock with hip hop with all that stuff and you playing all that, that I don't want to say mashup, you know what I'm saying? But it, that, like that song was constructed like a freaking megaton bomb for that type of crap. You mm -hmm. know? I can only imagine what it was like out there with that song. Yeah. Yeah, bananas, and not even not even talking about like the impact it had in Philly, right? But yeah, yeah. And also, like you know, shot. If anything, it's also like you know the seed. The original seed was you know nowhere near musically, right? right. What they did with two point If anything, is really a testament to the to the production uh, chops of uh, Questlove. Mm -hmm. I'm. I still play that one out. The BBC one two point Like I love that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm playing tonight and I'm going to play it tonight. Like that yeah. still gets played on my sets. That shit is hard, man. Hard. So I can only imagine what it was like playing that out when it came out. Right. Ugh. Colin. For everything you guys said and more, man, 
And on top of that being a great song at what 115 BPM, <laughs> which is like no man's land sometimes, where you're like, is. <laughs> what the fuck do I play over here? Oh, Shalimar again? Okay, here it is. You know? <laughs> and that is why I'm going with uh, the roots on that. But Rockstar is a perfect 10 song. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. All right, the roots get that one. So uh, round three, we're gonna go the roots, what they do versus NERD. She wants to move. Ooh, calling the drums on she wants to move right from the fucking oh, jump, where you're like, yo, we're getting into it. Yeah, and that's at like one sixteen, one seventeen. Mm-hmm. I think it's back mm-hmm. in that zone. Where you're like, okay, cool. I want to break from whatever I'm doing. I'm going to go into these drums. People are not going to know what the fuck is <laughs> Right. And we're just going to crank this energy up to what would be like 130 BPM energy that you're getting that off of a 117 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going NERD. And the DFA remix is fucking sensational as well. Mm-hmm. Anything DFA, man. For real. Anything. Neek. What you got? Oh, dude, I love both of these songs so much. Again, another song that I'm going to play out tonight. Like, I'm going to play She Wants to Move. But um, this Roots track is like, this is like classic to me. Like, when you like, if I were to make a playlist for, for an alien that's never heard hip hop music, this is on that playlist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like this is what hip hop sounds like, um, at its peak. Like this is what to me that is a peak example, like a peak example of what hip hop is, um, sonically. Ugh, but this nerd song is one of their best, and it is just an automatic hitter. I'm gonna go with NERD. Mm. Everything mm. is reluctant in this battle. I hate it. <laughs> I'm reluctant. Yeah. <laughs> The tension come from everybody, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's like these 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 uh these choices are difficult. Yeah, yeah, and also well thought out. Um, it's my turn, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Again, what 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 they do? Um, incredible root song. Uh, also, you know, I, it's it may be be kind of like heavy handed now when you think about kind of the the uh, the content. And the message of it, like you know, don't be a, you know, don't be a baller, don't be a player, blah blah. Uh-huh. That's that's blah blah blah, you know. But like, at the time it came out, which was what ninety seven, yeah, just about ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, you know, there definitely was a rift in you know hip hop camps, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, you know, it was produced, if not co-produced, by Raphael, Raphael Sadiq. Mm. Uh, Okay. We played bass on it, right? And that bass is just so pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Rap mm-hmm. doesn't get his flowers, man. He's one of the greatest. One of the greatest. One of the one of the greatest. Yeah. Of the time. And we we could devote an entire episode to that alone. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Um, so I mean, that's actually one of my favorite roots songs. You know, it's got that very that it, the drum intro at the front. It's got that fill, right? And then and, and at the end, it's got the. Uh, it's got more those those other fills and then that guitar vamp which goes mm-hmm. out. I don't know plays that the guitar may have been spanky, uh, mm. R.I.P. But um, so yeah, one of my favorite root songs. That said, 
N-E-R-D. Wow. Now, again, my, the rationale behind that is from a club perspective, I would probably play that more than I would play what they do. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, mm-hmm. you know, what they would probably be like first hour, last hour type of thing, vibe out, right? But what uh, but she wants to move still goes, still goes to this day. Colin, you mentioned it's about 116 BPMs. To me, that's like the sweet spot, right? It's a weird no man's land, but it's still also the sweet spot, especially in the sense of when one is playing in a set which is, you know, multi-genre, hip-hop, house, and whatnot. Yeah. You know, some of those transition records, right? Yeah. Uh, and, like, that's was always one of those records that was like, all right, cool, like, you can jump from hip-hop to house within 30 minutes, but you need, like, two or three of those records, mm-hmm. right? That was mm-hmm. always one of those ones which I always kind of <clears throat> leaned on. Plus, like you said, the drums, it's also got that weird uh, dog barking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to cut up all the time. You know? Yeah. And then also the remixes, the DFA remix, the Native Tongues remix, which I always thought was super dope because that was, you know, to me, Pharrell always wore his heart on his sleeve. And his influences on his sleeve, you know what I'm saying? But that was very overt saying, hey, listen, there was like kind of like this cool alternative indie kind of vibey hip hop community theme sound, you know, that really kind of influenced his shit. One mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. um, but then also, yo, I mean, the one I always would play would be the the Beanie Man remix. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know? And I guess he's he redoes a. Uh, it's either dude or, or, or dick. It's one of the two. He re, he redoes that, but it's like an official joint. It's on the it's on the Star Trek twelve inch. So I think it's dude. Is it dude? Okay. I think I think so. Yeah, because I know both of those songs from on the Fiesta rhythm, right? You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Originally, so we're we're getting peak record nerd right now. I love it. I love it. <laughs> we're getting. I love it. We're getting there. We're, getting, we're, talking, we're talking to Thanos right now. Yeah, about, we know for real. <laughs> Travis, you'll appreciate that reference because I have not seen the movie. So there you go. <laughs> I haven't seen it? Come on, guy. It's a good Come reference on, for a guy man. who hasn't seen it. Not bad. Yeah. Let's go. Round four. <laughs> all right. All right. So round four, we have The Roots, The Fire. And we, we got another audible for, for NERD because it's Lemon again. So we are going to throw in Everyone Knows. Woo! Cosmo. All right. Everyone knows all the girls standing in the line for the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then that bass line. Boom, 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 yeah. Which is so dope because, you know, growing up in the 90s listening to hip hop, you know, like that upright bass. Mm-hmm. Sound. Was something that always kind of like you hear that, just my ears perk up, right? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You know, double X posse, juicing at the ledge, you know what I'm saying? All the yep. juice. So when they flipped that, right? That was like, damn, but they flipped it also. I mean, that song is like 120. Yeah. Minutes. It's yeah, fast. It's, it's damn near, damn near a house song. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, and it was dope that they did that also again to me, the baseline that's Pharrell kind of wearing his hip hop influence on the sleeve, right? You know, mm-hmm. Um, there's a really dope remix of it that I actually ended up playing a lot more than the original. It's the Sammy Bananas remix. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, he's always had a really 
dope knack of like taking something which was like a really dope record and just fixing a little here, fixing a little yeah. over the top, you know what yeah. I'm saying? That with the like some Miguel records, some other joints, you know. Uh -huh. Like he's got a he's had a dope remix slash edit that I would always play. Uh and you know, especially would have that all the girls standing on the line for the bathroom acapella. You can uh -huh. Right. So such a dope record, such a dope track. That said, I'm gonna go fire by the roots. <laughs> I love the misdirection. Always boom. Flip it on his head. <laughs> I love that. And whereas that was a nutmeg. <laughs> <laughs> that said. Just try to keep it bro. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. but you know, that said, not my favorite roots album. But mm. um, but to me, that was you know, gosh, what was the name of that album? That was a uh, uh with the, it's got the oh, with them on the front, right? Yeah, it's with oh, them yeah, on the yeah. front. Um, Gosh, it's got just, like the. It's like I with them on the. It's like their silhouettes on the front. I'm literally blanking on it. And I was just looking at it earlier because the questions hip hop has it on their has it on their bracket. It's not lazy. Is it phrenology? Is that the one? No. It's like two after phrenology. Um, oh yeah, that's um. Let me see. I'll tell you right now, discography. Game Theory? Not Game Theory. No. That, game Theory is actually my favorite Roots album. Game Theory was actually fresh. It's How I Got Over. I how I Got Over, yep. oh, yeah. How I Got Over, yeah. Which is a dope, it's a dope album. Not my favorite Roots album, but a dope album. But to me, that was like, I don't know, that was post-Game Theory, that was post-Phrenology, that was post all the, eight, the 90s in the early 2000s, uh, hip-hop really stuff. And like that album really was like, this is our very unique sound in a matured way you know what i'm saying because this is them you know what 15 plus years in the game 20 years in the game it's very cool uh it was really kind of like a stepping into their sound as a maturity of the sound kind of mm -hmm. you know yeah i you know what's funny is i never really like i remember when this came out and i gave it a very brief listen um but i was stoked on some of the names because it's like blue always excited to see dice raw but that just comes with them and like yeah there's some like newer names on here well for the time like fonte was on here which is kind of crazy mm -hmm. uh okay that album back i haven't i haven't given that album enough attention yeah i'm probably gonna give that another listen today because i i saw web 2020 on there and i i feel like i really like that song and i, I like right now i'm not really thinking of what it sounds like mm -hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go N.E.R.D. Uh, <clears throat> the remix with Yay. Yeah, yeah, and Pusha. And Pusha. And Pusha wow. just really, really giving us those, those, those Pusha verses, man. Those uh, <laughs> straight cocaine verses for a straight cocaine song. But the remix sounds so much different Bum, bum, bum. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like so much different. I think it's mm -hmm. even faster. I think that's at like 133. Hey, uh, 135. Yeah. Yeah. It's real No Man's Land. Yeah. That's like, you're doing that's like things. You're heading towards. That's like so, 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 so death base all star land. Yeah. Right yeah. That's like even house heads are like, yo, that's kind of fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's B more. That's B more. 
That's yeah, right that's there. like breaking shit. That's way that's up Jersey. there. That's Jersey. Yeah, about Jersey. That's Jersey. Yep. Yeah. That's Jersey land. <laughs> or you're playing EDM trap. One of the two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're heading towards that. Uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going with uh, Nerd on that one. I actually went to that tour um, that came through. Yeah, Bloomington, uh, Indiana, and uh, yeah, they're great. Well, they were. Was that was that for the Glow in the Dark tour? Whatever that album was. Oh, was, okay. I don't yeah. think that was Glow in the Dark. That was later. That was yeah, later. Okay. Glow in the Dark. I saw this one at Life is Beautiful here in Vegas. That for that tour. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. It was sick. Um, I'm going with NERD on this one. Um, that song is just sick. Um, and it's like, it's perfect for DJs. Like you said, the acapella. Uh, it's like a sing-along. It's, yeah, it's and it's it, it's a twofer for me. Like, it's a song that I'll play out and I'll play in my car. Like, um, it's a song I don't listen, mind listening to in my spare time. A lot of songs I play out sometimes. I'm like, yeah, that's the only time I listen to it, you know? Yeah. But um no, this is definitely something that I would listen to in my spare time and play out and enjoy. So I'm in. Cool. Wait, let All me right. ask before we get into five. Uh, Cosmo, when's the first time you met Pharrell? Oh, I'm, uh, the first time would be one time. Um, <laughs> but uh, sure. the club that I was talking about earlier uh, that I would do my, my weekly uh, on Monday night, The Remedy, this is early 2000 so maybe it's got like 2001 2002 no it's like 2000 2001 right and he was in town for the sprite liquid mix tour which was one of those big festivals big touring festivals it was nerd uh jay-z uh but it was also jay-z around i think it was around it was I don't necessarily know if it was post blueprint because I know that anyway, so it was Jay-Z, N-E-R-D, like 311. Uh, <laughs> stank, you know what I'm saying? So it was like one of those, one of those kind of tours, right? And um Monday, you know the classics. Just the heavy hitters. You know, for <laughs> a Monday night, and my man Nino, who I was friends with, but also was involved with uh uh, skating, and I think he was a team manager for a skating brand, which I can't remember at this time. He brought Pharrell to the club, right? And uh, I remember meeting him, and it was like, this was also kind of pre-Neptune's huge explosion, right? They had NERD. He had a bunch of Neptune's joints, right? Um, even back then in Philly, you couldn't get away with playing a lot of Neptune's records because so many of them sounded like they were coming from outer space sonically mm-hmm. was right you mm-hmm. know um but i was super stoked on meeting him and he was the nicest fucking guy in the world like you know i was meeting him and i'm like yo, you're pharrell and he was like yo i want to like you know tell me about you and i want to listen to you dj and i'm like all right that's what's up right you know <laughs> it was so dope because like i remember as he was leaving um you know, we were, there was a stairway that you had, to, you had to walk down at the opposite end of the dance floor to, to leave. And I was DJing. Uh, I waved by to him and he waved by back and he was he had this watch on which had so many fucking diamonds on it. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep, sorry. You're, fine. You're fine. You're fine. Only allowed. Fucking diamonds on it. When he waved by like this, one of the lasers from the, from the club, like, hit it and it was like a supernova it was crazy 
And I was like, oh shit, damn. So then, so then I went home, right? You know, I got home, you know, woke up the next morning, it was a Tuesday, Tuesday morning, super early. Uh, and it was Nino who was calling me, right? And I was like, what's up, man? And he was just like, yo, Pharrell liked your music so much last night. He wants you to, to, to play before and after NERD at the festival, right? And I was just like, all right, you know? And then I turned to my girl at the time and I was like, I realized it was our anniversary, right? And I was just like, yo, baby, you know, like today's our anniversary, you know, but like, you know, I just personally got requested by Pharrell to play before and after the NERD show at the joint, you know? And she was like, of course, right? So um, the show was in Camden, which is right over the bridge in Jersey and mm -hmm. of Philly, right? Mm -hmm. and the show was like this big outdoor festival. I think there was like 25,000 people, you know? It was huge, you know? So I got an opportunity just to play uh, before NERD and after between him and Jay-Z, them and Jay-Z, um, you know, and it was like, and it was dope because Jay's performance was also, again, I was saying like, it was around the dynasty, La Familia was still in full okay. effect. Okay, yep. Mm -hmm. so it was like Jay in Philly with Beans, with Freeway, Pete oh, and Jesus. Yeah, all the Philly guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And all I knew is I'm not going to play any NERT songs. I'm not going to play any J songs, but I can play all these other jams, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So literally drop in, you know, don't this shit make my people want to bounce, bounce, mm -hmm. you know? And literally 25,000 people just bouncing, you know? So, um, yeah, so that was yeah. the my one time me and Pharrell, just, which led to me opening them. The following day, That's so fucking fresh. What I would do is I would have that on an iPad, and I'd have that framed in my house, where it's just NERD performing, me performing, and Jay Z performing, just on constant loop, and be yeah. like, "Here we are, the three titans." Right when people walk in, or just my my calling card. Like, why would like like, like we're looking to book a DJ? Just be like, yeah, here you know. <laughs> here it is. Just, your calling card is an iPad with this video. Yeah. <laughs> here you go. Like, oh, 311 and Hoobastank. Ever heard of them? I'm Baker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there were some other names like that. Like, I just can't remember. It was a long time ago. So, you know. Not worth remembering with those on no, the books. No, not at all. <laughs> with Hoobastank Tank and 311, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. worth mentioning. Jay Z's very forgettable. Yes, oh. yes. <laughs> I take that. Round back. five. Round five. What do you All got? right. Round five. Round five. We have Mellow My Man by The Roots versus NERD Lap Dance. Oh. Mm. Mm. Colin. Oh, you're going first. Lap dance. Yeah, Come man. On. Yeah, I know. I know. I perfect know. strip club anthem. It really is. Perfect turn up anthem. Oh, and baby, you owe me? Yeah. Is oh, there, baby, you owe me? Is there keys that are more Neptunes than this? I can't think. Like, yeah, this is yeah. this is very um, epitome of Neptunes right yeah. here. Yeah, it's very defining of their sound. Yeah, if you if you were gonna say, you know, who are the Neptunes, I, I would play I would honestly play this song. Or who yeah. who was in ERD, I would play this song. Uh Neek, Neek. Um I was in fifth grade when Lap Dance came out. 
fifth grade. It was fifth grade summer going into sixth grade. So little Neek didn't know what lap dance meant. <laughs> little Neek had an idea what a lap dance was, but like it was a very innocent version of a lap dance. Fair, fair. And I was like, why? You, why would you have to pay for this? <laughs> no, I didn't know that you paid for lap dance. I didn't know it was like a strip club thing. Nick was like, yeah, you can get it for free. Who's paying for this? Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't fully understand, but I knew it was a jam. Um, and I love this song, but um, what's dude's name? Harvey. I just think of that line. When you think of Harvey, think of a Harley. And that's why I'm going with the roots. Wow. Wow. Okay. Right. Just from I love that mind. song, but I think that might be the, the softest verse I've ever heard. That that might be one of the worst rap verses in history. Dang. <laughs> yeah, that was like um, you know, Neptune's, you know, Pharrell, Chad, and the other guy. And then that guy. <laughs> and that was like the worst. And, you know, it, it comes at a time, like, early on, you know, we knew um, Pharrell wasn't, like, the greatest singer, but, like, in time, we kind of learned to, like, get with it and, like, appreciate his voice for what it was. Um, whoever the fuck that guy was, we never got to appreciate him as, like, a soft rapper and just accept it. So... <laughs> Damn! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we he didn't grow on us, and so we <laughs> didn't get to age well. Um, and I love the song, hate that verse, but um, my mellow, my man is fucking that's rap gold. So I'm in. The All right, Cosmo, Cosmo, tiebreaker. Yeah, mellow, my man is such a dope record, but it's lap dance for me, easy. Easy, Easy. Like, no direction whatsoever. The question could be: Is is it lap dance the program version, or is it lap dance the live version? You know, expanding that question being: Is it in search of the program version, or is it in search of the live version you know, of, of the record of the album? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, it really could be either one. Interesting thing: This whole question could even open up a whole nother story about my first lap dance, which I could tell you about um, if, you, <laughs> if we had time. But uh, <laughs> I, think we, I think we got time. I think Call, we got hey, time. Colin and I are in Portland, man. You know, I, they're, they're capital, so, so they, got, was, they got time out here. It was late 90s. I don't remember when, right? I'm not a huge strip club fan, strip club, strip club guy anyway, you know, but I was out in LA. I was with my dude, John. I was with his then girlfriend, soon to be ex-wife. Uh, uh, <laughs> they wanted to go out to a strippy and I'm like, all right, bet, you know, my first strip club, right? Pull up to the joint and was like, you know, it was like the tiger or the cheetah or whatever. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and this is like 90, that'd be 98, 99, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, roll up to the joint. There was like a kind of, there was a con, there was a, a stretch limo parked out front, right? Which was looking like a real fresh stretch limo from like 87, right? But it's seen its days. It probably had a few miles on it, right? You know what I'm saying, right? We're in there, we're doing our thing, hanging out. I'm just like, all right, cool. This is like my, my first strip club and checking it out, right? You know, it's it's interesting. Um, and then my man John and his his soon-to-be ex-wife 
uh, decided to get me a, a lappy with one of the women who was up on the joint, right? So it took me in the back room for the lap dance. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm a babe in the woods. I'm a young boy. I don't know nothing about nothing. I know nothing about nothing. You know, I don't know how any of this works. And don't worry for anybody who's watching this mom, you know, like this is a, this is a, PG-13 story, all right? So hey, all shout out to Cosmo Baker's mom because, you know. <laughs> shout out Mrs. Baker. <laughs> if she's watching this, then our podcast is to a different level. So let's go. <laughs> shout out to my mom. My mom my mom was like, mods my Twitch account. So like, yeah, shout out to my mom. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Go in the back. It's all good. I sit on this, it's in this dark room. It's like a back room with the beads and there's a long ass bench, long ass bench. And all I just saw was one other person on there getting a lappy, right? And it's just me and this one other person and it's dark and we're sitting this long ass bench and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, all right, cool. You know, all right, yeah, all right, okay. And then after like, you know, like a minute, I'm kind of like distracted or bored, right? And I look to my left and I look and there's this person sitting probably five or six feet away, right? And the person, and I see, oh man, that's a big dude. And that person turns to me and we lock eyes like this motherfucking Chamberlain and our eyes lock like this and he looks at me and he goes like this <laughs> we then went back to our lap dances and then he disappeared in that limo that we were talking about <laughs> yeah. yes. so that very fond memories of my first lap dance shout to wherever it is that you are in this universe uh lap dance by n-e-r-d easy my he, you know he's out there still so probably like getting his body count up man so <laughs> shout out will chamberlain man after like body body counts bound to be crazy son crazy oh, okay. crazy will the still oh, wow <laughs> yeah. that's amazing right in time for nba playoffs too man so good for real <laughs> that's a good little reference right there i oh, like yeah. that right in Dude, I want to sneak in this question here. Um, we do have a lot of fan questions today, but I want to sneak this one in. Uh, where did it go? <laughs> I don't even remember. It was, <laughs> it was a Philly rap question. Oh, I think okay. it, it was like Freeway or or Beanie Siegel or something like that. Go ahead and and you can answer that one. Oh, I mean, that's you know, that's difficult. That's a difficult question. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, they both, they both have their own thing, their own unique thing, right? You know what I'm saying? I probably would say that at this point in my life, I've probably listened to Freeway records more than Beans, you know? Um, and I know Freeway, you know, we've worked together, you know? So, um, you know, there's, there's that uh, kind of component. But I mean, especially when, especially when he first dropped the pump yeah. and all that stuff, like Beans was... I mean, Beans is the epitome of like that Philly gulliness. Philly, yeah, just a mean street of Philly. How gully Philly is, right? And also, like, I'm from South Philly. Beans is from South Philly. You know what I'm saying? So, like, there's that as well. You know. But probably, I would just say I love them both. I love both of their both of their their recorded catalog, and both of their styles as rappers slash lyricists. I probably would say that I've listened to more Freeway records. And I probably made more freeway records in my sets. Yeah. All right. I got one for you. Wait, that was my man uh Easy Egg that said that. Nathan. Oh, shout out, shout, yeah, out, shout out Easy Egg. Uh 
good Portland DJ, fantastic Portland DJ. Yes. And so he asked that one. Uh, go ahead, Travis. All right. Sticking with Philly rappers, Meek Mill or Will Smith? Oh. <laughs> I mean, again, damn, you know, that's a that's a difficult one, too. I mean, that's more of like a, it's not even like apples and oranges. That's like apples and Volkswagens, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I, mean, I love Meek. I think that it's really important to recognize, you know, him as you know, one of the, the, the top Philly rappers of all time, mm -hmm. you know, and one of the guys that's really kind of kept the Philly sound in play, especially over the course of the past decade, mm -hmm. you know, you still play a whole gang of Meek records in Philly clubs, in clubs nationwide, you mm -hmm. know, and they go, right? But Will was here first. I mean, Will was a pioneer, right? And I think that it's an interesting thing and it's a funny thing that a lot of people have no idea that Will Smith, the A-list, top of the food chain Hollywood actor, had his start and not just had his start, but had an accomplished career. Yeah. Rap, yeah. not his career, but when he was in play in 86, 87, 88, you know, specifically, you know, in the rap, he was top of the food chain. Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of those, a lot of those festivals like Fresh Fest, I mean, they were headlining, mm -hmm. you know, over, you know, Public Enemy, LL. It was, mm -hmm. and you go back and you listen to a lot of the records. Yeah, a lot of the records that they did were specifically designed to be like pop crossover records mm -hmm. you know um and to be you know records that were would disarm your parents so it's not you know it's not you know it's parents yeah. or whatever you know but like you know listen to you know the song the, he's the magnificent jazzy jeff will bust his yeah. beat brand new funk you know like or boom the, boom shake the room the, 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 the album code red which was actually wildly stepped on aged really freaking well mm -hmm. you know? it's yeah. got like got pete rock production on it you know what i'm saying it's got some really great production by by jeff on it you know mm -hmm. um so yeah like will between the two i'm just gonna have to be like yeah you know stick with my generation right you, you feel yeah. right <laughs> yeah so i'm trying to i'm trying to think of one um meek versus reed dollars <laughs> 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 a Reed Dollars versus G Wiz. Oh man, I mean, like when she's like, you know, versus Meek versus like Mad Ox or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm trying to go deep in my Philly rapper bag right now. <laughs> well, honestly, Philly's such a Philly's such a. It's still to this day Philly's such a, a deep market when it comes to rappers. You know, yeah, I have, you know, I, even if I were to even try, it would be so difficult to keep up with so much of what's happening. Mm -hmm. in, right. You know, and to, you know, for, to, in my opinion, it's definitely Dallas Donuts, one of the, one of the rap epicenters of, of the nation, you know, along with places like, you know, Nashville, Chicago, you mm -hmm. know, you know, LA, of course, you know, so. Yeah, I don't Philly's know. Philly's just like in general a music epicenter. I don't think um maybe I'm you know, I I feel like a lot of people forget. <laughs> I, I I don't feel like people forget how much music really comes out of Philly outside of rap. Like Well yeah, soul. it yeah, it's kinda easy to forget because it's so it's so close to New York, you know? Right. So they I think they tie everything in together. 
when it comes to that. That's always been an issue, especially with, uh, with, with touring and then with like, like specifically with like marketing budgets, right? You know, yeah. like you have these giant nationwide marketing budgets and Philly, because of the proximity to New York, I mean, it's under a hundred miles away. It's less than two hours away, you know, that like whenever the companies would do any sort of like giant marketing spend, um, you know, Philly would always fall in the New York shit, right? Mm -hmm. We get asked out, we, you know, we get left out like a stepchild, right? In the rain, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but like, you know, people, you know, often forget the fact that, I mean, we're a huge city. We're the fifth largest city in the United States. If not the, you know, it's New York, LA, Chicago. Uh, it used to be Philly, but now it's New York, LA, Chicago, Houston. Mm -hmm. And then Philly and Phoenix are going back and forth. But like Houston and Phoenix are like, they're not cities in the sense of like Philly's a city, New York City, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, mm -hmm. anyway. Philly's mm -hmm. a, yeah, Philly's a wonderful place. I'm happy to be a Philadelphia. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We're going to take you into the lightning round here. Uh, I'm going to throw a bunch of names your way, and you're going to say a this or a that. You can choose how much or how little you want to say on them, and uh, you can only keep one from each round. So let's start with this. Das FX or Fushnickens? Mm. <laughs> das FX. Mm. <laughs> okay. The uh, baby or little baby? Although I do have a chip through a dub plate. Um, uh, oh, yeah. ring, ring the alarm. The uh, baby. Okay. Uh, Diddy or Rick Ross? Mm. Uh, I mean, Diddy. Rick Ross, I like his music, solo music better, you know? I like mm -hmm. Ross better than Diddy's solo records, but Diddy, I mean, you know, he changed right. Aerosmith or Bon Jovi? I don't give a fuck about either of them. <laughs> <laughs> Correct answer. There's actually probably, a third answer, and that's probably going to go with Bon Jovi, huh? Because of the Philly connection, just because. No on default. On default. Well, first of all, that's Jersey, so that's like saying. Oh yeah, like, that is Jersey. <laughs> what was I thinking about? No, they had. Uh, doesn't he own the Philly? He owns. Uh, yes, he or he did own the Philly, like the Philly lacrosse team or something. That, like yeah, that. something like that, or the arena football team or something. I yeah. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. But that's yeah. also like, you know, I'm gonna play some E40 for my LA fans. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right, yeah, like, it's not yeah. quite right. <laughs> Borderline offensive. <laughs> when you think of Philly, think of Bon Jovi. <laughs> Says no one ever. That's actually Cosmo. Make that your new merch with Cosmo Baker logo on the back. <laughs> uh, tribe or Far Side? Tribe or Farside? Uh, tribe. Tribe. Okay. Which is not because I love, I love Farside. I love Farside from Jump and like growing up as a kid, whenever I would think, uh, whenever I would listen to Farside, I would think, damn, LA seems like the coolest place in the world. I want to live here one day. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Shalimar or Cool in the Gang? Oh, Shalimar, man. You know, well, damn. Okay, that's. <laughs> you did not like how fast that came out. Hold your horses. All right. Howard Hewitt, Jody Watley, Solar the records, all the Dick Griffey stuff. You know what I'm saying? Shalimar, some of the greatest tunes of all time. And 80s was when they were out. And so you would have to kind of juxtapose Shalimar's career 
with what was happening with Cool and the Gang at the time, which was, again, arguably their most successful period by yeah. far, yeah. which was Taylor, this JT Taylor uh, uh, era of Cool and the Gang, right? So like if it was 80s Cool and the Gang versus Shalimar, it would actually be a no brainer for me because I would say Shalimar, you know what I'm saying? You know, Joanna and Cherish and all that stuff, which are, you know, perennial wedding jams and whatnot, auntie hits and all that shit, you know what I'm saying? Jams, right? But then, da 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 da, you got the entire 70s catalog of Cool and the Gang, which is untouchable, which is untouchable. It's just untouchable as a band. As a band, I mean, honestly, the only band that really kind of would give them rhythm would be the JBs. It's the only band that would give them them rhythm. In terms of in terms of funk in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Like also, like lest we lest we forget, like they did Earth, Wind, and Fire versus the Isley Brothers for verses, right? You know, yeah. You know, and I definitely thought that Earth, Wind and Fire versus Cool and the Gang would have been a much better fit because of the horns and cool in the gang's horn section which is crazy mm-hmm. or like tower mm-hmm. or like tower honestly like it would have been my my opinion between that it really should have been earth wind and fire versus p-funk um just because of the trajectory of both of those va- bands uh and they both kind of fizzled out in the 80s right mm-hmm. they yeah a really good 80s output but also because of the mythology that went was behind the band uh you know the 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 funk extraterrestrial mythology and the elemental uh spiritual mythology of both those bands you know what i'm saying so, yeah that's kind of cool that's actually a cool matchup when you put it that way yeah, that's cool yeah getting, getting back to shalimar and cool in the gang if we're going to do 80s cool in the gang versus shalimar it'd be shalimar easy it was cool in the gang in their their catalog, yeah. Versus Shalimar, it's cool in the gang. Mm. Easy, easy. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. David Bowie or Queen? Uh, David Bowie. Okay. David Bowie. I love Queen. I love Queen. Um, you know, Freddie Mercury, one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest voices mm-hmm. of music, right? One of the greatest frontmen of music, musically, you know, the way that they were able to infuse like camp yeah. into, into like rock pop. Mm-hmm. Brian May is a fucking genius. You know, Brian May is a genius, actually, yeah. too. You know, like yeah. he literally he he <laughs> left, he left university studying to become being to be like an astrophysicist mm-hmm. you know and just a couple years ago tried to get back his his uh degree and it was funny because he was like petitioned the university he was like i was once a student here studying astrophysics phys, uh, uh, yeah, astrophysics I guess, yeah and, you know my my career just took a kind of a side <laughs> I'm not sure if you've heard of us. Yeah, he's coming in there with his big ass fro. Local band. <laughs> we're a local band. I also I love. All right. Growing up in the '80s, you'd go to like all these like, um, like ball games and shit, right? And you'd have all these like super like aggro cis gendered like white hetero dudes like who are like mad not just homophobic, but misogynistic and all that shit, you know, yeah. we're like, Freddie, Freddie. And it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, a guy out there talking about like queen, right? Queen, right? You know, 
Um, that's it, Bowie. I mean, Bowie, I just always had a special thing with Bowie. And, and uh, I also think you know, just like he's funky, you know? Uh-huh. And um, and uh, yeah, I mean, his music and across, I mean, shit, all the way up to Black Star, you know? His music just really kind of really did it. Yeah. 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 Uh, Zap versus Gap Band. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's my answer. Um, <laughs> My answer is fuck. <laughs> My answer is interviews over. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, all right. This is difficult, and I'm just gonna say what my gut tells me. All right, um, I'm just this 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 is difficult. I'm just gonna say Gap Band. Um, there's a there's a personal connection that I have to the music of the Gap Band, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and I love Zap. I love Roger Troutman as a solo artist and producer, you know, changed the game, you know, his, his connection to the funk, you know, being the, the, one of the godfathers of like electric funk, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, he's in a, a he is RIP, he's in a, a, a class by himself. You know, Roger Troutman. But, mm-hmm. uh, but, but I was listening to the Gap Band yesterday, you know, like I literally just, I, I, in the, here in the crib, you know, there was a, there was a, a, a Twitter thread that I put up a few years ago um, that got traction uh, last year and then again this year on the anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, the whole thing was basically an exercise of my, recollection of listening to the Gap Band and listening to the Gap Band, you dropped the bomb on me when in 85, when Philly dropped the bomb on a household of black back to Africa activists here in West Philly and killed like 11 people, including kids, you know? Mm. And, you know, we listened to that, you know, and we were like, you know, you're, when you're a kid, you're an asshole, right? So mm-hmm. like horrible thing that we just witnessed, literally collective trauma of watching institutionalized racism uh, and oppression, you know, literally murder black folk in a modern day American city in our lifetime, right? I mean, so, um, you know, it's crazy, but then, you know, listening to that Gap Band song and then Gap Band, G-A-P, G stands for Greenwood, A stands for Archer, P stands for Pine. Those are three avenues, three streets, which intersected right at the epicenter of Greenwood, uh, Oklahoma, part of Tulsa, which was one of the Black Wall Streets, which was the site of the 1921 uh, 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 massacre of hundreds of mm-hmm. Black men, women, and children by rabid white mobs. And, yeah. you know, it's even deeper than that. The, the author, Michael Harriet, was talking about that on Twitter and, you know, talking about how that's kind of ingrained with institutional racism and, and, uh, and oppression, how that's part of the whole capitalist thing. I don't want to bore my music fans, right? Your my music, you know what I'm saying? But nah, it's this deep. is music history right here, man. Yeah, but it's deep. Hear this. That band got their yeah. name right from the intersection, the Greenwood Street, Archer Avenue, and, and Pine Avenue, mm-hmm. you know, in Greenwood, Oklahoma. So, um, yeah, so Gap Band, man, I love them. I love them very much. And and, and Uncle Charlie, Charlie Wilson. My money, like he's one of the, like he's one of the, best R&B singers of his era uh, and it's like so dope that he has been like rediscovered and embraced 
by a new generation. You know, thanks to all the, the you know, the, the rappers that put them on, Snoop and Ye. Mm -hmm. and Pharrell. Pharrell. Pharrell, yep. So, like, so shout out to, shout out to, and master respect to uh, Charlie Wilson. Yeah, Uncle yeah, Charlie. It's kind of crazy because if you look at the, I never knew that about the Gap bands. Yeah, know, that was crazy. I, that was a great. I've actually never known that, and now I think about like history their early album covers. Yep. And their logo is like yeah. the A is yep. like two long streets. Oh, wow. Like intersect. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing that first made me realize that, and I this years ago, you know, a part of the whole record digging, you know, thing is like you're checking up and seeing what's going on, and then I forget where I read it, but. You know, I read it years ago, and I had also learned about the Tulsa massacre years ago as well. Um, you know, and then it was years ago that I kind of put it all together. And it was a few years ago that's when I put that twi twi Twitter out. That was just me being bored on a Tuesday, you know what I'm saying, and trying to drop some knowledge. But the whole thing about it was just like checking out Gap Band and their outfits, right? You know, they're, you know, they're wearing all these cowboy outfits, right? Oh, and right, right. That was so dope, you know? And I was just thinking like, well, man, like that must just be like a cool like nod to their to their to their hometown although like we got cowboys here in philly i know there's that movie out that everybody saw concrete cowboy yeah we got we've been we've had cowboys here since since forever um but yeah i mean the whole thing about it is like you know it definitely was with the gap band it was definitely very subtle you know and like you know you could tell there's not really too much in their songs they're actually like you know talking about this stuff but like in it with the the way that they came off and and the naming of the band is definitely like they're wearing that, you know, they're putting yeah. it right, right yeah. you know, so, so mm. as much as I love Zap and I do love Zap and I'm going to hate myself for saying this, Gap Band. Okay. <laughs> okay. This one should be interesting. Drake or Dr. Dre? Ah, uh, true confessions, true confessions, right? I didn't listen to the chronic in full until maybe like seven or eight years ago. That's fair. That's fair. I've heard you know, that about a lot of people. It's just like, listen, it's just like, it, and it's not just the chronic, you know, it happens like you, here's a movie that everybody saw. You just never saw it. Here's mm -hmm. a, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm so like, so, um, you know, uh, Drake, I think Drake gets a lot of hate from people, you know, real heads, whatever, blah, 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 right? You know what I'm saying? Drake's a fucking phenomenal artist, you know? Drake really changed the changed the landscape in so many ways, you know? Yeah. I have a Drake drop, which is freaking awesome, you know? That's fucking dying. It's funny too, because it was someone he it was uh what's what's the album cover, the mixtape cover where it's the the silhouette of the kid dropping the balloons or the hearts or whatever. So thank me later. Oh yeah, how far how, uh, how far gone? How far gone? Okay, oh, how far gone? Right. So around that time, and my man was working it. He, I just, I barely even heard about Drake. When I was kind of like every night, opened up my email yeah, early. Yeah, and I was like, oh, here's here's hey, Cos, you got your drop from this rapper Drake. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, yo, this is Tracy Drake. You listen to Cosmo Baker, and I'm like, cool. And I was like, never <laughs> thought. Then he became the biggest rapper in the world, yeah. right? You know? so I've been getting a lot of miles out of that drop. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> just a little something from the artist of the decade. Basically, I got I have I got several dip in my Serato. I got several all my all the Drake records I got have a little thing where it's like, you know, do 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 go ahead, go ahead, or like whatever you fancy. This is Drake, you listen to Cosmo Baker. So it's just like <laughs> so you bootleg, bootleg, uh, you know, bootleg kind of exclusive joints and shit like that. Um, so love Drake, man. Love Drake. Um, but I gotta say Dre. I mean, you gotta say Dre. You yeah. know? I mean, 
Yeah, no, that's fair. There are no wrong answers on this. Uh, except for, for Gatman versus Zap, that's a wrong answer. That's... <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, we can take this in so many directions here. Let me ask this. Sade or Aaliyah? Ooh, that's a really difficult one, too. Uh, I'm just going to say, I mean... Uh, I don't know, man. That's, that's hard. All right. I'm just going to say just probably because they're both great. They're both great. Charday uh, has songs which touch me a little bit more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, no more than they love, you know, like, just yeah. it's a, a, little, a little more than any Aaliyah record. And that's difficult to say because she's got so many joints, you know? But Charday. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you did m- mention Earth, Wind, and Fire earlier. I want to pair that up. Earth, Wind, and Fire or Chic? Which one are you keeping? <laughs> That's difficult, man. We were talking about, we were doing all these speculative speculative verses, right? You know, talking about. And we were always saying that well, a verse that I would, verses that I would love to see would be the Sound of Philadelphia, Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff versus the Chic organization. Right. Mm. Yeah. 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 Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, Sister and I, Sledge and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything that they, I mean, and through the 80s of all the stuff they did with, you know, fucking Madonna, Duran Duran, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yep. And there's so there's so many, so many dope joints. Um, although I would say TSOP wins, hands down, of course, right? You know, <laughs> but um yeah. but um that's a really difficult one also because they you know, like Earth, Wind, and Fire don't do disco like Chic. That's for damn sure, though. Nobody does disco like Chic. Yeah. Right. Right. Don't do funk like Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's for sure, yeah. too. You know what I'm saying? So that's a difficult one, man. You know, I might have to say that like everybody wins on that one. Everyone wins. I like that because like our Cosmo Baker, we will allow that. Yeah. We will allow it. You're the only person in the history of the lightning round that will ever get the pass. Yeah, when everybody wins. You get it. Right, if you're really pressing me, just because I'm feeling discoy today, I'll say like cheek. All right, you know what I'm saying. Right. And also, you know, I play a lot of disco as well. But you know, but sure. yeah, tomorrow, the answer will be different. So everybody, everybody still wins. Hey, sure. yeah, you guys realize he got us out of a real tough spot, right? You really did. <laughs> because well, why, watch us have like Clark Kent on, and we're like, yeah, Clark, you can't, you can't say that. Cosmo already said. That. <laughs> yeah, Cosmo got the one. <laughs> Sorry, Clark. Cosmo, you really saved us. Cosmo got the one. So, um, this is interesting. Beatles or Beach Boys? Mm. I don't really have a vested interest in either, uh-huh. right? Um, I mean, I think they're both amazing. I think they're both incredible. Um. Uh, I grew up listening to, I should, I, I should say I grew up to more Beatles being played in the house than Beach Boys and a, a lot of the early Beach Boys stuff, which also a lot of the early Beatles stuff kind of like, you know, it's poppy. It's not really my kind of cup of tea, right? You know what I mean? Um, I mean, as a producer, you know, it, well, Maka and Lennon, we're not producing that was George Martin, you know, mm-hmm. and Brian Wilson as the producer, the shit that he was doing, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? 
Right. Yeah. Basically, I think of, my mom's told me the story because she's told me the story of like the first time she heard Starship Peppers, first time she heard Pet Sounds, all this stuff, blah, 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 right? You know, um, if I remember correctly, it was Brian Wilson who heard Revolver that said, I'm going to make Pet Sounds, which then made the Beatles listen to Pet Sounds and say, holy shit, which made them say, we're going to make Starship Peppers. I believe it came in that. Mm. Which was like I, I want to say it might have been the White Album that came after Pet Sounds, because okay. Back in the USSR is a Beach Boys song. But it, yes, it's one of those two things. It's kind of a yeah. story, which uh, the story, which was I believe, I believe the story is that Dre heard Low End Theory and said, "Holy shit!" and he made the Chronic, and then Tribe heard the Chronic and said, "Holy shit!" and made Midnight Marauders. So exactly one of those things, right? You know what I'm saying? That said, probably there are more Beatles joints, which I will jam to, right? But the Beach Boys joints, which I jam to, I jam too hard. Like the shit on Smile, the Smiley Smile joint. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's later shit. There's like Dennis Wilson joints, which are ill. Um, Surf's Up is a criminally underrated uh, uh, Beach Boys album. It is. It's, fuel flows on it which the lyric is uh uh fuck what is the lyric it's like i, I got served some right here records i got it right behind me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and fuel yeah. flows okay hold on i need to i need to google this i know this uh and this may be like uh unfolding enveloping missiles of soul is the first line out the fucking gate. Unfolding missiles of soul. Bro. Yeah, it's an ill ill record. Her stuff is sick. It's an ill record, right? You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm gonna say that again, just because I already said everybody wins, right? You can't do that. So there's lean Beatles, right? Also because even if you don't necessarily like the Beatles, right? You can't deny what they did. in terms of the changing of the industry with pop music and also the songwriting. I mean, even if you don't like a Beatles record, listen to We Can Work It Out by Stevie Wonder, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Or fucking Chaka Khan, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. just, just for that, but like, don't sleep on, I, I don't I don't front on Beach Boys. Except for Mike Love, Kokomo style, you can miss me with that shit, you know? <laughs> when I think Beach Boys, I think Brian Wilson era, and that's kind of it. There's some mm-hmm. later, Couple of tracks, but yeah. Brian Wilson is the epitome of Beach Boys. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Brian Wilson, right to me, it's Brian Wilson. You know, I mean, like, yeah, you're gonna say like Dennis, you're gonna say Carl, you know. And listen, a lot of them early joints, some of them early joints, there are some really dope uh, melody and chord chord structures there, which are like, like I get around is like it's actually really yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Shit, there's some shit there. You know what I'm saying? Basically, so, there's some shit there for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah, and Mike Love was doing that Trump uh, Beach Boys review thing, and yeah, Brian Wilson was like, "This is not the Beach Boys, my man." Yeah, <laughs> oh, <what's, laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize he'd actually he said something, but yeah, word up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, two more in the lightning round, and then we'll get into some some deep pressing questions on the history of Cosmo. I almost don't want to ask this, but I almost feel obligated to. Prince or Michael Jackson? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I have to choose one, right? Sure. 
I choose Prince. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody grew up with Michael, right? And, you know, whether or not it's true, whether or not you believe it, whatever the whole thing about like, you know, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the stuff that happened, right? Um, you know, it's the whole idea of like separating the art from the artist, right? There's all that. And I'm not saying that like, I don't listen to Michael Jackson because of the allegations, blah, 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 because that's not the case, right? Um, you know, kind of talking about the whole idea of separating the art from the artist, I've always had this thing, which is like, is there an artist that actually talked about something uh, in their records that they're actually celebrating, which is a, a crime that they actually committed, right? You know what I'm saying? Which you can't necessarily say is the truth with any of the stuff that Michael wrote about, right? Um, or are they actively profiting off of the celebration of crime or, or, or misdeed that they've done, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm. It could be like, all right, you know, in the case of R. Kelly, you know, like, you know, talk about it, right? You know, but that's a whole nother conversation in itself, right? Right. Mike, Michael is the artist. I mean, like, it's Michael, right? You know what I'm saying? It's Michael, right? Incredible, incredible, right? From beginning to end, from, from beginning to end, right? Mm. That said, Prince's music, it's it Prince. Prince's music just has always resonated more with me, right? Um, you know, I, I I always thought of Michael. Interesting. Let's just like there's more of like you know Michael being a little more heavy on the R&B side of Prince being more heavy on the funk side, right? Perhaps you know. Yeah. And you know, I just I have a an affinity and a kinship more to his sound, uh, and. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Prince fan. I really am, and, and again, you know, it's not for nothing. It's not saying that I don't like Michael Jackson. Right, right. If you had a point a gun in my head and said that I would have to listen to one or the other, they would actually it would be a simple, simple choice for me. It would be Prince. Hmm. This next one might not be so easy. This right. is the last and final question we ask in the lightning round oh, every really? week today too man i tell y'all really put it to me man <laughs> sweating over here b i love it we got we got a good one for you uh every week we stump everyone with this let's see if this will do the same outcast or hall and oats you ask everybody this question every week every week yep i mean you you really fucking with me, the Philly guy, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and that's like, unfair because I'm going to say outcast and I'm going to say outcast easy. Whoa. Okay. All right. <laughs> that is that's so fair. funny. That's so good. I love that. All right. I'm going to get to a couple questions real quick. Real all right. quick. All right. And also, yeah. like, to all my fellow little Philadelphians, I hope I didn't lose my pass for that shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, the, Cosmo Baker right. says, I hope I don't lose my pass. That's how you know he's in the weeds. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody, somebody gonna come for him on YouTube, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> little mirrors inside shit, right? Rough <laughs> <laughs> boy, tell you shit. Uh, go ahead, Chad. All right, Cosmo. Uh, so we're, we're building our, uh, our DJ cinematic universe bio cinematic universe okay so who's playing cosmo in this dj biopic cinematic universe it could be anybody dead or alive are we are we talking about an actor or are we talking about uh like um like what's the superhero in the anybody it has it to be, be an a... actor playing you 
And it could be a musician turned actor. Yeah. Man. Oof. Talk. That's a stumper. <laughs> <laughs> that's a stumper. Who is playing me in the biopic in the in the Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic DJ universe? Yes. Who is a real person? Who? Is, no pressure. No pressure. No, no pressure. Uh, Benicio del Toro. Ooh, Ooh. Big, big choice. That's a good pick. I huh. like that. Huh. Okay, good. so That's let's awesome. check it. So you're stranded on an island. You only have one album to take and one album to listen to the entire time you're on this island. Uh, say help doesn't come for like 15 years. So you have 15 years to listen to one album and one album only. What album is that? Ooh. One album. One. One album. Uh... John Coltrane of Love Supreme. Whoa. Heck. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. 15 years of that. There you go. I like it. Absolutely. Short album, but like, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> that's a cool, that's a cool guy's pick for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool guys. <laughs> exactly. Cool guys. That's a cool guy's pick. <laughs> uh, I have so many questions I want to ask on the history of Cosmo and how you've gotten to where you are. Um, let's kind of unpack from the beginning here. How did you meet the roots? Um, so there was, uh, Philly's kind of a, it's a really big, small city, right? Mm -hmm. You know, or it's a really big, small, really big. It's a, it's the, it's the biggest little city in the world or, or the, the littlest, you know, what I'm saying. Right? Mm -hmm. So just kind of, especially in the early nineties when, uh, you know, hip hop was kind of this culture that was permeating specifically in like the, the downtown, right? Um, you know, I was really kind of super involved and would be out and shout out to my mom for just kind of giving me the, the uh, you know, the leeway to kind of go out and find my own road, right? You know, I was also like, a, I, was a, I, was a, I was a graffiti writer before I was involved with music. I was a skateboarder before I was involved with music, right? So, you know, going out, kind of getting out in the city was always like kind of like a no-brainer to me, right? Um, and, you know, once we saw that hip hop in the early 90s was this thing that like we were all kind of forming our tribe, meeting friends, meeting people from around here, like, oh, you're into, oh, you're into Marley Ma too? All right, cool, let's meet again here at this park bench and smoke a blunt trick of 40 and talk about rap or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So you do when you're teens, right? Mm -hmm. And hip hop, whereas it wasn't necessarily new, was definitely new to us in the sense of like, all right, it's under 15 years old and we're teenagers and blah, 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 right? So um, uh, there was a hip hop shop that opened up in Philly in the early 90s. I believe it was like 92. It was called the layup, like a train layup, right? And, you know, this ended up just being the place where you go and hang out. Like, this is the place you go hang out, right? You know? Um, and they would have in stores. They was the first place you can go get mixtapes. They would have you know get fat caps and shit like that there. You know, first place that had Echo Unlimited shirts. Like they used to have the ill like like the bootleg Echo Unlimited shirts that had the mixtape on the hang tag, right? Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. um, and then 
it was, and people just kind of hang out there and spend hours there and you end up just kind of meeting heads, right? And then the layup was right off, the original location was right off of South Street. South Street was kind of like the, the block where everybody went, right? It was the spot where all the indie uh, businesses were, right? If you think of like St. Mark's Place in New York or Telegraph in the Bay or Hayton, San Francisco or in, mm-hmm. or in um, Hawthorne in Portland, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? That, that's the street where like you'd, teenagers go hang out on, on a Friday night, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So South Street was that, South Street in Philly, right? So everybody would go hang out on South Street. Now, um, Amir and Tariq, I'm saying that like, you know, Amir and Tariq. <laughs> yeah. You can do that. You can do that. You can do that. It was crazy. <laughs> as, as just hip hop heads, we all know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they were, they were a few years older than me, right? And they went to Kappa. Kappa was creative, creative and performing arts. Um, it was basically like the fame school, right? You know, like, you know, like the fame school, right? You know? Um, yeah. So arts and kids went. I went to Central, which was like the, uh, like if you were academically, you know, an academic achievement, right? You know, mm-hmm. the brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would go and they would set up there right on Pashunk Avenue, corner of Pashunk and South Street. And they would just start playing. And then we'd be out there, you know, smoking blunts, writing in black books, you know, and there's these guys, right? Cool. And they're all playing the stuff, you know, and uh, they were calling themselves the Square Roots. They eventually started calling themselves Square Roots. I don't even know if they had a name yet. You know, and it was originally Amir, Tariq, uh, this guy, Josh, Josh Abrams, who was the original bass player. Um, and I think that it was even before, this is before they had Scott, because Scott Storch was, uh, you know, joined very early on. And then like a whole lot of the homies that would hang out with them and, and ended up being, I ended up being friends with them. It was like, you know, the, um, gosh, you know, the, the Dread Poet Society and mm. the, the the Rhythmic Freaks. And I'm trying to think of like all these little kind of subgroups of, of like rappers, you know, slash homies and whatnot. So we just all ended up becoming homies. And like, you know, that was where I really kind of started. I'd already been DJing at this point, but um, you know, a lot of the first stuff that I was doing in my first few years as a DJ would be like playing basement parties and playing house parties. And it'd be like a lot of, at a lot of, my homies, like these guys, their houses, you know what I'm saying? So that's really how I kind of started getting my chops. Mm-hmm. And then the layup <clears throat> had turntables in the back eventually. Um, so, you know, I nothing for me to do. I'd go down there on a Saturday and I'd just bring my records and I'd play, you know? And, you know, Amir, that's when he also first started DJing too, kind of, you know, cause he'd come down and him and I would vibe and be like, hey, listen to this MOP record, it's pretty cool. How about this last stone record? It's like pretty dope, you know? You know, so like that's how we ended up kind of meeting. And then they got a deal. Or they were trying to get the deal with Geffen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was 93, 94. And they had um, Rich Nichols was their manager. AJ Shine, who was also uh, the host of a local rap group, was one of their managers as well. Uh, but, you know, kind of the whole thing, it takes a village, right? They were able to procure a, a, a deal with... I believe it was Giles Peterson through Talking Loud to mm-hmm. do like 
And that was facilitated in part by King Britt, who was also a homie of mine and one of my DJ mentors. I ended up staying with him at his party. And like the art direction was done by uh, my friends Tramp and Ari. Ari, who ended up making on the go uh, the magazine with Espo, who were like friends of mine through skateboarding and graffiti. And then Tramp was uh, the guy who did also some of the art direction. He was one of the co-owners of the layup. And he ended up doing like that cartoon that was on MTV Channel Zero and then Source and all that stuff, you know. Imposi mm-hmm. uh, uh, Tolbert, who RIP, who was an old friend of mine from back in the skateboarding days. He was the photographer. So it was like everybody was kind of involved in the whole, like it, it takes a village to help kind of make it all happen, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, and you know, not for nothing, not taking away from like what Rich did and, and what AJ did and what like the Roots themselves did, but like, everybody kind of knew that this was something that when they were coming out with that first record, um, Do You Want More? And they had released Organics already in- independently, but coming out with Do You Want More, that was like the Philly hip hop scene, at least with us, really had arrived. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Weird, kind of cool, um, indie hip hop jazzy kids from downtown that would like be smoking blunts and you know like you know talking about five percent doctrine and 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 all sorts of stuff like that you know and that's that's really very much like my genesis and my epicenter of where it is that i started and i came mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. you know yeah that's amazing man and yeah shout out i do want to also shout out in this to um as you mentioned in Posey, I want to shout out Indiana Jones, rest in peace. Uh, Ron Miner, who uh, brought you down to Indianapolis, right? With, uh, I think with A-Track. Several times, yeah. The first time, the first time I met him was, uh, was, uh, uh, was uh, when he brought uh, me as the rub with Ayers and A-Track. Mm. It was 2006. And uh, that was the first time I'd seen Imposey. He had been living, Imposey had been living in Indianapolis for a decade, I think, at that point. And I had first I'd seen him after a while, and he passed, and Posey passed away about a month later. Um, but then Ron and I would bring me back consistently. I mean, pretty much every time I would go to Indianapolis, uh, I'd be with him, you know. And yeah. he was, was a great dude, and you know, awesome guy, great community leader as well. So, big, yeah, big loss for everybody, not just Indianapolis, but everybody. Absolutely. Um, I also have on here too, and I, I kind of want to dive into this. I think, or around that, around the time of Hollerboard and all of that is when you and I met for, I think your birthday. Uh, it was in New York at home. Home, yes, yes. Yeah. That's right. And I knew from the board. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, I want to ask you a couple of questions on that. First question. What did you learn from the hollerboard years that you took with you as a DJ? As a DJ, um, uh, I don't know if it would be learned, but it definitely reinforced. Uh, stay open, stay open. Yeah. Always keep listening. Always keep learning. You know, yeah. you know, there's shit. There's shit that's going to be changing and growing and evolving and developing in music always. You mm. know, and if anything, the the the, the hollerboard taught me. One of the things the hardcore taught me is that, like, you know, man, like, listen, just kind of keep keep on staying open to shit that these kids are doing over here, shit that these people in this weird place are doing, you know, you know, yeah. they find the funk and you may find a way of actually kind of 
having it influence what is it you do. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a, such a movement in nightlife, such a movement in production in all angles of that, where there was so much dope music coming out from people that you just maybe had like one thing up online, you know, where you're like, yo, here's this crazy edit. I don't know who this is. And then it'd go on to be Sega who would be like, you know, massive Genesis, whatever, or small other pockets of artists. Um, do you still make mashups? I mean, you know, I still do like little remixes, not necessarily mashup in the sense of like what we were like fucking around. Cause I was never really too big in that anyway. You know what sure. I'm saying? Sure. You know, about like a mashup being like, I'm going to take this Herb Alpert record and, this thing with this, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, cause I'm from like, you know, I was, I'm from the, I'm from the Ron G school, which is like, just it's a blend, right? You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. This thing, you put it over a beat, right? So I still do that all the time. And honestly, especially over the course of the past year in the pandemic, when, uh, you know, I've been on digital for 15 years, right? But, you know, I'm sitting around in my, my house and I'm sitting around with, you know, close to 20,000 records, you know? And I was like, over the course of the pandemic, I rediscovered my vinyl collection. Mm -hmm. So like when I do a lot of my streams, like I'm strict, I'm not gonna say I'll never touch vinyl again, but or, uh, digital again, because I, I love it. But like I've been doing vinyl streams just because I, I love it so much. Yeah. 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 I love doing like, I've been like, if you catch me doing this stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm always gonna be doing some sort of off, like some sort of live blend, instrumental here, acapella here, like always, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So in the sense of like that, yeah, um, in terms of production, I mean, not necessarily like remixes here and there, of course, you know, but like, but, you know, kind of going back to the idea of like, you know, true, you know, of what one may consider like mashup. Yeah, just blending, man, like I'm a blending maniac. I love, I love my blends, man. God, I'm a, I'm a blend. Same. Um, I want to, <laughs> I want to touch on. How did the Ed Banger and DJ Meddy era of blog house music, how did that affect you and what you were doing? Oh man, that affected us like because it really was. All right, so like when that was really big, um, you know, we were still touring as the rub uh, and touring pretty extensively, at least Ayers and I, as the two members who would be representative of, of the rub and really the guys who were um, kind of embracing that sound. Uh, and many, maybe more so than the rest of the other Ed Banger dudes, definitely was somebody who I really felt as if was rooted in the funk. And he, Medi was at my birthday party yep. that at home. I don't remember, um, you know, I remember him That's and uh, him and A-Track, they brought me a whole bunch of balloons. Cosmo, what's your birthday? Birthday, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, one thing that that really kind of, uh, I think if, uh, impacted was that you had kind of these harder and these aggressive sounds that really were, but not abrasive, that you could kind of find the funk in, right? You know, that really kind of started being accessible to dance floors, right? Yeah. So, you know, if me, I grew up in Philly, so when I think of dance, I think of house music, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, deep house or like, you know, Vogue house, which is, you know, kind of where I, you know, that's what I learned. Um, but like kind of those, like kind of those, those heavier sounds, being more accessible and then being embraced by dance floors and then incorporating a lot of that stuff into other sounds. Like, you know, I don't want to say that, you know, A-Track changed the scope of modern day music, right? But it was like A-Track who was 
when we were touring with A-Track and A-Track was then also the DJ for Kanye West, you know, mm -hmm. you know, A-Track was bringing Doff Death Punk to Kanye and saying, listen to the stuff, right? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's, and so was A-Track listening to Daft Punk because we were blending it with Coolie Dance, you know, and like, you know, I don't know. That's the idea of like a butterfly flaps his wings on mm -hmm. one end of the earth and a tidal wave happens around the globe, you know? Right, you right. Know, it's just the influence, man, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, who, who even knows? But, you know, when that stuff was happening, you know, we definitely were like, all right, cool, let's embrace it. We'll figure out a way of kind of making this palatable to people that want to hear common records, like, you know, the rapper common, you yeah. know, or Yin Yang Twins, you know, or, you know, Andros, you know what I'm saying? And trying to figure out a way to just kind of put it all together or, or grime music or Lady Sovereign, you know, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was that was that hard to break? Did people consider that as just blanket techno at that time in the beginning? Yeah, pretty much, man, you know? I mean, it would be weird because when we were touring with A-Track when we did Sunglasses the Must, I mean, you know, it was kind of like his coming out party because he was really into like, I want to, yeah, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he was like, I want to be a party rocker. I want to be yeah. somebody that goes out there and plays jams, you know, plays a Mike Jones record, you know, or a Three Six Mafia record, you know, and then double time it, you know what I'm saying, with some shit, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, which is why he asked Ayers and I to go out on the road, road with him, 32 dates. You know, because we were, let's kind of put it all together, you know, and, um, you know, we'd go out there sometimes and like, we'd, we'd be playing some, we'd be playing some far out shit, you know, and like, you, you know, it's like looking at screw, screw face. I just want to do some quick flares over like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, <laughs> nah, man, look, you see some girl, you see any girls dancing on her bro? Like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny though, because especially kind of go back to Alibord, you know, it's just like we started seeing a lot of these places outside the US were really receptive to it. Go up to Canada and they'd be going crazy over a lot of that stuff, you know. Go start, you know, a lot of the initial stuff that we'd be doing in uh, in Europe would be kind of based on a lot of those harder dance sounds, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you could put out a remix and you could do a mashup and you could post, post on a Hollaboard. And you could tour, you could tour the world off of one free remix that you put up on a hollowboard, right? Yeah. You know, I remember the first time I went to Finland. Um, I did this festival. It was me, Josh Peterson, and Cut Chemist, right? And I was going last. Big room, five thousand people, right? You know, and Cut Chemist did his thing with like an audio visual thing, right? Josh Peterson killed it, but he played like dance music, right? Which I wasn't expecting, but mm -hmm. I guess when you play in front of 5,000 people, right? You know? And then he ended his set with Isley Brothers Summer Breeze. So I'm like, how, he left me, he left me out there hanging, bro. Jobs, he left me out there hanging. How am I gonna follow up an hour and a half of like dance bangers and then Isley Brothers Summer Breeze, how am I gonna follow it up, right? You're so like, I, hey, there's someone playing after you. <laughs> yeah, you, this isn't the end of the night. <laughs> so like, yo, so I, so I just, I came out and I started playing. I just went into my Baltimore club set, you know? And like, the funny thing is that like, I didn't realize this now, but this was this was like the mid 2000s. Like people had not heard Baltimore club in Finland. They had never heard it before, really. Maybe a few people that were kind of hip to the internet, hip to Hollaboard or whatever, you know, but like to be able to come and play that in front of a crowd of like 5,000 people, right? 
who have no, there's no barometer. They don't, you know, that, that guy could have been beaming these sounds from Venus, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> funny because like you know growing up in philly the proximity to baltimore is right there like we always had baltimore club we just call it we call the party music we don't even call it baltimore club right. Call it party music, right you know um so like you know ending up kind of coming out there and then ever since then you know you know it was kind of like a sea change and you know i'd start getting finland became one of my biggest markets after that you know hmm. so yeah i don't know if that answered your question but you know no that's fucking absolutely it's so crazy to think now that that you took music to an area that hadn't heard it because now with the internet being, you know, as prevalent, Spotify, blah, 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 everyone's heard everything. You know, there's always someone in the room that's like, oh, I know all this. But back when those genre, genres were breaking like that and then like EDM trap with like Flash Adamas and stuff like that, people were hearing a lot of those sounds for the first time and being like, yo, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. especially Baltimore. And like you said, one remix could change the whole thing. And someone even tweeted that like last week or two weeks ago. I think it was that dude Dando it was like, you could tour the United States on one Be More remix and just be fucking massive. Yep, yep, absolutely. That, that, that's absolutely legitimate. You know what I'm saying? Or a, or a, or a mixtape, you know? And that's what we do. We built like these little cottage industries and we can kind of tour. It was very much like indie rock DIY style, right? You know what I'm saying? You put out a mixtape, and next thing you know, this guy knows somebody in Bloomington, Indiana, who knows somebody in Montana, who knows somebody there, right? And so it ended up kind of becoming this cool little cottage industry, um, very much based off the gig trading, right? You know, y'all coming to New York? Of course, you're gonna play the rub. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. you know, scratch bastard, you know, small town DJs, like you know, not a strong. Like yeah, cool, come on up. Like we'll make it happen, right? You know, and that's how it all kind of fit you know in the community so sick yeah the community you know how what was it like that partying up oh go ahead nick sorry what was it like um i mean because obviously you're a philly guy uh born and raised i assume yeah what was it like starting your djing career in philly which i had no i did not realize that until later that like most of my favorite djs come from philly and like i don't i can't think of another city aside from like new york maybe or la where it's got such a high concentration of killer fucking djs like you rich scheme and then you know the jesus christ of djs jeff mm-hmm. I support philly djs yeah man i'm like i'm saying that even like removing myself from the conversation like you know as a fan philly djs yeah yeah well, I, are the shit. What's it like coming up, like trying to get established roots, trying to get your footing in a scene that's just literally always been badass? Well, I think that that's one of the things about Philly DJs when they always say like, all right, like Philly DJs, there's something in the water, right? You know, or Philly DJs, you, know, you cut from a different cloth or whatever, right? You know, I think there's like two things about it, right? First of all, there's the proximity to New York, right? You know, and New York always gets in the shine, right? New York's always getting the shine, right? So. Philly and New York always had this big brother, little brother thing, right? You know what I'm saying? Anything my big brother can do, I can do better, right? And that's across the board. That doesn't even mean just DJing or music, right? It's a, that's a, that's a, that's, that's just a, anything. That's a anything thing, right? You know? So, I mean, obviously that's going to translate to music. Uh, and then the other thing is that Philly, you know, listen, man, we have a lot of heart. We have a lot of spirit. We got a lot of soul. Like we're a gritty ass town. We're a really gritty town. 
right? You know what I'm saying? And, um, and part of that, uh, the dimension of that is that we are incredibly hypercritical, you know, that if you're good and you deserve to get shown that love, we're going to show you that love, you know? Um, and we're going to be completely heartfelt and earnest about it, right? Uh, and if you are not good, then you're going to hear it. If you're not good, we're not going to front and be like, oh, that was, that was cool. Or like, you know, you say, oh, you did your thing, right? You know, like, nah, I've been booed. I've been booed in Philly. Right. I've been booed probably more in Philly than I can't think about I've ever been booed anywhere else. But like, I've been booed in Philly. I've been booed in my own home, in my, in my residency, in my own club. I've been booed. Oh. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I, yeah, because I think I played like an Eve record and like some real hip hop heads were like, boom, like whatever, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? But, but the whole thing is the Philly, Philly crowds are going to let you know if you're not cutting the mustard. So like when they say that Philly DJs got to uh, have, you know, are cut from a different cloth and whatnot. No, it's not that. It's just that in order to make it here, you got to get really good, really fucking quick. Mm-hmm. You know? The crowds are going to let you know, mm-hmm. you know? And if you don't get good, well, then you know a lot of people just don't have a thick skin for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I remember vividly like this party in like '92 or '93, a warehouse party, right? '92, like early, right? It was like who was playing? It was like a, it was a it was a it was a two day event for the for the Greek picnic, which was. Philly's version of Freaknik. I don't know if you guys know about Freaknik, right? Yep. It was Philly's version of, free, of Freaknik. It was the Greek picnic, right? All the sororities, all the fraternities, everybody came to Philly from around the country. It was lit, right? So, you know, here I am, the one DJ in this crowd of hundreds who's the, 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 one, the one person who's not a black person, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a 42, I'm a shorty, right? And like, <laughs> and I remember this asshole fucking this asshole, his name is Zulu. Um, he was a real popular, bombastic uh, radio personality, right? You know? And I remember the show was dope. It was like Grand Poobah, Black Moon, uh, Ochinate, I think, was performing. You know, the Roots maybe performed, the Square Roots maybe, so, you know, something like that, right? You know? And um, I remember my first time in front of a real big crowd, right? And Zulu, was just like, I get up on the, behind the turntable, wasn't even stage, and he said on the mic, who's this Richie Cunningham looking motherfucker out here? And I'm just Hell. like, I'm bro, I'm sweating, you know? I don't know if you are familiar with this, but when you go to touch the, the needle, touch the record, you know, and my hands, you know what I'm saying? And the needle's skipping, oh. right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And of course, me being the asshole that I am, I got to make myself, I got to come out different. I got to come out different, right? You know? So like, so I get it, it's like 92 or 93. So a first record I play is uh, uh, Gene Chandler, Duke of Earl. <laughs> right? So it comes out the do, do, do. And I'll, the first record out there, everybody goes, oh, it's my shit, it's terrible. And then he goes into the Duke, Duke of Earl, Duke, Duke. And it's like, the fuck is this guy doing? I it's, it's that Spice Adams moment. <laughs> in the bed right now, you're really shit in the bed. But I had this mix and I had this mix planned and I had timed it. So when he drops, uh, and I, that's when the beat drops under the Cypress, right? 
I never seen so many people literally get thrown from off the fucking wall to like, to like a mosh pit, you know? And it was like, that was a little bit of like a trial by fire and definitely like vindication or validation, you know, like, like, oh shit, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? But like, you know, yeah, just again, you just got to get really good, really fucking quick or else they're going to let you hear it. Yeah. Damn. That kind of prepared you to travel anywhere though. Yeah. Being hypercritical in that city where you're like, yo, I play in Philly. I can handle this crowd tonight. <laughs> like, this is where I'm from. Yeah, I mean, pretty much, man, you know? And it's a whole lot of not giving a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Shout out to uh shout out to South Street. You brought it up earlier. I was just with Aiden Scott out there like a week ago and uh we went digging. So shout out to Aiden Scott, shout out to South Street. Yeah, you guys went to our repo, right? Yeah, we were out at repo. Yeah, man. I've yet I've yet to be inside of a physical record store um since pandemic, you know what I'm saying? But I hope to Although my my discogs is burning up this week this year, bro. Let me tell you, man. Yeah, <laughs> that, that will tie into a fan question we have from uh, Max Base, uh, Jared from Max Clint's Records. What's up, Jared? Jared asks, "What was the last forty-five you picked up?" Last forty-five I picked up was. Da, 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 da. I think it's. I'm gonna tell you right now. I think the last 45 I picked up was an Ima Sumac record. Ima Sumac. It's like Dance of the Blossom, Dance of the. So Ima Sumac was a Peruvian singer um, from the 40s and the 50s. Mm. Um, you know, like the record industry didn't really know what to say about records that weren't like white records. Or if they were blackbirds, the records, they called them race records because their industry is mad fucking racist, right? You know? So back in the day, they would call anything that wasn't, you know, white records or pop or race records, you know, which are black records, they called Exotica, right? Mm, right. And she's a Peruvian singer that does Exotica records, I guess, you know? But, you know, um, it's the song, it's the sample, it's the original sample from a Black Rob record, I Love You Baby. Oh, right. okay, okay. It's a beautiful record, and she mm -hmm. sings octaves or some crazy shit like that. So, I think that's one of the last ones I got. You know, I mean, I could, I could definitely. Uh, I, f I found that and I picked it up just for like a couple dollars. You know, um, cool. that will tie that will tie into another question um, that you sent me over. Jay Hawkstat asks: There's a picture of you sitting in a room on a floor with floor to ceiling records, like seven levels high. Where is this room located, Cosmo? Oh, yes, that's in my old house, in my old apartment in Brooklyn, in Prospect Heights, St. John's Place represent. Hmm. Uh, interesting story, I was, that record, that photo was taken by a guy named Elion Paz, and he, came and saw me opening for, well, I was opening and closing for Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings Ooh. Um, at a place called Southpaw, which is where we did the rub, mm -hmm. right? Southpaw was our local spot and it was owned by a couple friends of ours. And, um, you know, again, the friends who owned it, they knew I was all up on the funk records. And so they were like, yeah, this band Sharon Jones and Dap Kings are playing. You want to open and close them, right? So yeah, cool. They're great, you know, 
of course, obviously, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Elion is from, I guess he's from Tel Aviv, and he uh, was there, and he was like, I love the records so much, play so much. He said that he was inspired by that set, that he, what he wanted to do was to come to my house and take, do a photo essay of me with my records. So that was from that shoot. And he went and he took a whole bunch of photos. I'll probably post some up on Instagram, you know, mm -hmm. Um, and then that photo shoot inspired him to start. And he wrote, I think, two books called Dustin Grooves, right? And there's like a website, Dustin Grooves, right? And it's a whole bunch of photo essays of DJs and the collectors. And I mean, he's got like, you know. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's like a book, like a coffee table book. A really, really nice coffee table book. Yeah, yeah. So that book was inspired by that trip that he took to my house, which was inspired by me at uh, opening for Sharon Jones, the Death Kings. Wow. Mm. That's fucking cool. It is, um, I mean, this is kind of off rip. Is uh, Daptone Records, are they Philly? Are they? No, they're New York. They are, they're uh, in New York, okay. In, uh, in, uh, in uh, Brooklyn. Oh, okay, cool. Hmm. Um, this will tie into that. Best and worst act to DJ alongside. Oof. All right. Oh. Oof. <laughs> Best. Does it have to be act and DJ or can it be act or DJ? Act or DJ. Sure. Oh, geez. Okay. I'm just going to shoot from the hip here, right? You know what I'm saying? Just because I don't want to. All right. So best act slash DJ to. All right. Just off the top of my head, I, I, I played with uh, 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 Dev Hines, Blood Orange, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, to me, he's like our generation prince. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah. 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 Uh, Scratch Bastard, dear friend of mine, like one of my closest homies, one of the most enthusiastic, uh, on, on top of his incredible, just his incredible DJ, yeah. his energy is out. It's just freaking incredible. Incredible. Um, uh, I'm not going to say no names worst, right? You know, but I will say this. Okay. I, did a, I did a show in New York years ago and it was me and then another DJ who was going to be closing after me. The other DJ, you know, arguably has a bigger name, right? And the other DJ said, I'm going to play, I want to play, the head manager say, I'm going to play before Cosmo, right? You know what I'm saying? So, me being like, all right, cool, like, you know, go for what you know, right? You know, uh, before him was a, a guy who basically had worked the crowd up to be like a 4,000 person fucking raging, raging fucking party. You know, everybody doing the electric slide to fucking before I let go, you know, outside in New York, you know, the whole thing, right? You know, guy gets up, this guy gets up, in my spot, and I was ready to go too. Ah oh, man, I was ready to go. I'm like, all right, yeah, I know this crowd. I know this crowd. I know you. I know a New York crowd, man. All right, they're ready for like, all right, we're gonna go hit them with dance hall heavy, right? We're gonna hit them, right? You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of intricacies to this thing, right? This guy went and then had to set up something, set up a whole thing. So we're dealing with dead air, right? Oh no. We're with, oh. And we're dealing with. Five minutes of dead air, five minutes of dead air, which then turns into 10 minutes of dead air, 
which turns into 15 minutes of dead air while they're oh. up and hooking things up and blah, 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 blah. No, I know a lot of beats, but I say no names. I'm not going to say nothing about, about, you know what I mean? But yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, and I'm watching everybody kind of like slowly, just like, you know, the, the gas. Yeah. Gas, oh. Right. Slowly. Right. Finally, about 15 to 20 minutes later, he gets on. Right. And then proceeds to play a set of just like the most inappropriately bad, horrible, out of tune mashup, like, you know, Beyonce crazy in love over like Joan Jet. I got, you know, I love. Oh, no. Bro? 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 I never (laughs) saw a crowd, I never saw a crowd dissipate that quick. Within 30 to 40 minutes, you went from probably around 5,000 people to maybe 300. Oh. Whoa. Oh, damn. So what that leave you with? At the end, when I finally went on, like when I finally went on, there's probably like there's probably like 100, 150 people there. In a huge Duke of Earl. Duke of Earl. Yeah. I dropped Duke of Earl. Say less. Say less. Yo, 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 damn. Yo. That happens all the time. And and more so now based on social media numbers. Yeah. Where someone will get plugged into that slot, yeah, and they'll be like, "This person has X amount of followers. They should go here at this time." And then they totally shit the bed yep. when it's time to go on. And you're like, "You know me. I'm Cosmo Baker. Just plug me in. Put me in the slot." You know, that whole numbers thing now is fucking up shit more and more. And I mean, I don't even have to talk about the celebrity DJ shit, where somebody will be like, "Hey, this guy's a celebrity. Let's put him behind the tables." All <laughs> right. Then you're like, oh no, <laughs> this is not a good look. Cosmo, let me Cosmo, let me ask you this: um, first concert that you've been to, and best concert that you've been to. Damn! All right, uh, all right. Um, first concert that I went to, um, that I was brought to. All right, like chaperoned. It's around the same time. Genesis, the Invisible Touch tour. And around the same time, it was like, um, around the same time, it was uh, Beastie Boys, Public Enemy, Murphy's Law, right? Ooh. 87, 87. Okay, yep. Um, first concert I went to by myself or unchaperoned, unchaperoned. Um, again, I can't remember which one came first because they were right about the same time. One was Black Sabbath at the Tower Theater in Philly. The other one was Big Daddy Kane with Queen Latifah, Digital Underground, Third Base. Mm. Um, Damn. So I just threw them out there. Yep. That's concerts. That's difficult. That's difficult. The two which immediately came to mind are both rap concerts. Um, you ever seen the scenario video? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, all right. I saw De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, Leaders of the New School at the Roxy in New York in ninety two. Oh, what? It was at when the Roxy. That's crazy. When it was when it was when Low and Theory had just come out. Uh huh. Was De, De La tr- touring behind De La Soul was dead. Okay. And, and Leaders album was out. So leaders came out, they did the thing, they ripped it. Um, 
Tribe came out, they did the thing, they ripped it, they brought leaders back out for the encore, which was scenario, which yeah. was the, the crowd footage that you see in that video. It was yeah. that show. That show. Oh, oh shit. wow. Um, and then Daylock came out and ripped, ripped it, ripped it. Yeah. That was the first one I thought of, but then also to be quite honest with you, um, I, again, I was in Helsinki, uh, fucking Kanye's performance for uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, and I may change my answer tomorrow, you know? Yeah. You know, I, saw, I saw Prince at like one of the secret concerts, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. With like you know, 200, 150 people in, in attendance, you know? Mm -hmm. but like, yeah, I couldn't change my answer tomorrow, but those are the first two like, I shit out the, the Tribe de la Leaders one and the Kanye one. I mean, no big deal. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you no turn on deal. the Tribe video and you're like, there I am. But he, just, he just hit like all aspects of hip hop right there with all with all four of the concerts that he even Genesis you could add put Genesis in there as being being one of the pillars of hip hop man you need Phil, that. Phil is, Phil is Billy Collins royalty, right he's hip hop royalty I mean he's a drummer sure. bro he keeps the beat he has a, he has a track with Bone Thugs come on he does <laughs> he does he's in. Tonight, man. I mean, come on, bro. You saw that video, which is like, you know, the kids listening to a song they never heard before, and it's the reaction, right? And the yeah. one, right? You know? Yep. Tommy's classic, bro. You might not have had any sort of frame of reference when it came out or like, you know, when it was a hit or when it was resurgence, but shit, man, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned Helsinki, and I want to ask if you were not living in the States, which last year was easier to picture, I'm sure. Where would you want to live? Uh, interesting question. Good question. Um, I mean, of places that I love, that I've visited to, and I've traveled often. You know, like I love Brazil. I love Brazil. I love. I love as I love it as a country. Although the president is an asshat, um, uh, I, I love my friends, my family, and people just down there in general. I love Brazil. Uh, It'd have to be somewhere warm, bro. I love Helsinki, it's dope. I love Tokyo, it's dope. Um, but I might have to live in Brazil or I might have to live in New Zealand because New Zealand is the promised land. New Zealand is ill. New Zealand, mm. New Zealand is one of the most incredible places on the planet. I'm gonna grab my charger real quick, okay? Yeah. yeah. All, yeah. Right. All right, one sec. Hey, Travis yeah. with the YouTube promo. Hey, while he's gone, man, uh, all the YouTube followers, you know, we appreciate y'all. But if you're new to the, if you're new to our page, go ahead and smash that like, hit that subscribe button, and click that bell to be notified every time we drop a podcast. Five hundred five podcast, y'all. Brought to you by Direct Music Service and Nukes Hot Sauce. Let's go. Smooth. Was like, smooth. Every time, bro. Every time. For being off script, you nail it every time. Hey, you know what? I practice at home, man, in front in front of the mirror. <laughs> I'll tell you what it shows. Hey, shirt shirt off. Shirt off. Oh, shirt off for sure. <laughs> shirt shirt off. Extra boost of confidence. While yeah. while while Haley's rolling rubbing lotion on my back. I oh like uh, big ed huh like exactly. big ed? The, just like big ed or or more like more like rick ross like rick ross right yeah. hell yeah that's probably a better look oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just sneaking in a little promo here for direct music service and nukes hot sauce um cosmo you 
are always dropping heat. Um, and I have to mention it. I'd be at a loss if I didn't mention it. Scratch Bastard and Cosmo Baker, songs we listen to a lot. Yo, come on. It's too good. Yeah, it's too yeah. Good. And it's not fair. It's, it's not fair. It's not fair because because it's shit that it's a cheat code. A, yeah. A I don't know. Or B, I forgot about, or C, uh, only y'all have this. <laughs> it's like yeah. which is which is all a slap in the face to you though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a three-handed slap right in the face. Myself and Paul Murphy, I sincerely apologize for for uh for all the dropping all the heat rocks in your area. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, and I think I think you put the internet onto salt too. I know I know that's yeah. been talked about on some other podcasts. But you are definitely, you're definitely the sixth man on salt. Can I say that? Definitely. You're, you are like, man, if someone was ever managing or doing anything like tour manager, I would be like, yo, hit up Cosmo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny too, man, because like, I guess I could talk about this though, right? You know, like Questlove asked me to like put me in touch with Salt to, to get him booked on The Tonight Show, you mm. know? And like a track hit me up because they wanted like, because Griselda wanted to do some production work with uh with, with them, right? So I made the connection. I don't know if it happened, right? But people have been like coming to me, although I don't know them. I well, I know one of the I know one of the women in the group, you know, um, yeah. which is how I found out about it. But even her, like she just is like, yo, listen to this, and I didn't even realize it was her until I listened to it, you know. And I was like, holy shit, it's shit, right? So I just believe in good music, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, something's good it just deserves to be heard right yeah you know i know that a lot i know that i know that sample snitching is like a big thing right now there but it's like stop sample snitching right and people are giving that that young kid on the serato this this kid you know <laughs> yeah 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 I've been I've been doing this for over I've been doing this for 32 fucking years, man. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, of course, like, you know, you know, it takes two is Lynn Collins, of course, you know, to, although the one he did on his thing, that was, was busted. That was a bad loop, right? So but that's <laughs> catching a lot of shit, right? You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, it's just like you know, a lot of people we didn't know about that, right? You know, yeah. music to be shared. That's what why do we do what we do, right? You know, the there's this Frankie Knuckles quote, which is the minute you start thinking you're bigger than the music you're through, right? Mm. And, and then that's and that's the way I try to live my life in, in the sense of of, sh- of sharing, right? You know, that like I don't want to be the guy up there. Check me down, blah 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 blah. blah. Mm-hmm. You know? That's bullshit, man. You know, leave with the, leave with the music first, right? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And so when it comes to sharing something like salt, like you know, like yeah, a lot of people said like you put me on, and they're like. That's cool. I feel good about that, but I feel better that people are listening to something that needs to be listened to. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean? mm-hmm. and like with the the, the 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 mix that we do with Paul and I, right? You know, it was kind of a whole thing in the sense of rediscovery. You know, there was all these year-end mixes coming out, right? This is the best shit that I heard in 2011, right? You know, well, I heard this thing in 2011 that came out in 1975. It's the best shit I heard this year. You know what I'm saying? Right. That part. You know what I mean? And so it's just like, yo, all right, cool. Like, let's kind of, let's do, like, that is kind of our effort to contextualize and to remove 
the disposable nature of music where it's just like just because something's not new mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily make it any less valid or or, or powerful mm -hmm. so yeah. so yeah so kind of like in the sense of just kind of you know you know it's it's so easy to get music these days it's you know it's this ubiquitous flow of just music all around us it's not you know it's not it's not this you know what i'm saying yeah, like, yeah. right you know what i mean yeah um, so it's like you know that's why kind of sharing the music and telling the schools behind the music to me is more important now than ever mm -hmm. what would be your first choice if you were going to remix a salt track Man, they're perfect. They don't Can I need... throw one out there? Can I What's... throw one out there? Free. Okay. Okay. I love okay. that song. Love okay. that song. Mm, let me see. What would I? What would I? If I had to, if I wanted to remix something, uh, you know, man, this is really putting me on the spot in the sense that it's a hard, hard call. <laughs> I think if I were to remix something, I would just do something, a remix, just to kind of beef it up a little bit more for the club and extend yeah. it out a little bit, right? So, um, um, so uh, first song, first album, which is, what is it called? You feel me, right? You feel yeah, me? Yeah. Um... Doing a quick number crunch. What is it, that over? Which one? Uh, not put on that. Five. Up all night. Up all night. Up all night. Yeah. Dance the weekend. Da, yeah. Da, you know. Yeah. It's got that real dope. It's got that. You know, it's, it starts. It's got that false start, right? You know. Yep. And my first, my first introduction to Salt was like this song, which had this false start, and it sounds like the band is getting ready to play, right? And this bass line comes in, right? You know. Yeah. All of a sudden, like I'm, I'm like transported back into. Although they're from London, I'm transferred back to like Lower East Side, like 1982. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's in there, it's fucking, you know, ripping or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, I just like, I would just take that and I would like, but that's hard to say because that's a fucking perfect song. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's difficult. It's difficult. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Um, you just did Jazzy Jeff's pool party. Tell us about that. Oh, it was great, oh, man. Yeah. It was the first time that we have been around each other, like, first time since pandemic. That mm -hmm. I have around like a collection of friends, um, you know, who I'm friends with, you know, at the, the very least, you know, the, the shortest amount of time that I've, I've known. And, you know, one of them would be like 10 years, you know, since people I've known going on 30 years, right? So it's just amazing to be around friends, but also be with Jeff, right? Jeff, who's, yeah, yeah, there we are. There we are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sat, whom I've known since forever. Jeff, whom I've known since forever. Rich is my brother. They're all my brothers, right? You know what I'm saying? So it's great to be there. Jeff is really the best guy in the world. He's the best teacher in the world, but he's also the best guy in the world, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, what he does for his community and what for the DJ community, the artistic community, you know, as somebody, you know, I, I you know, starting at the first year as, uh, as an alumni of a playlist retreat, which is like his, you know, his retreat for musicians, you know, uh, and artists, uh, to the stuff that he's done in terms of putting us on for all this uh, this live streaming stuff. It was just so great. It was so cathartic. 
It was so dope for Austin to be vibing out. You know, everybody brought their A game, which was great, you know, because you have to. You're at Jesse Jeff's house. You have to. Yeah. Yo. It was um, fantastic. It was one of the best feelings just to feel like we're back in real life again, you know? Mm-hmm. I love that picture, man. That's, it's too many heavy hitters in one room. That's my only complaint. It's, there's too much talent in one room and no one can compete with what you guys yeah. got going on. Yeah. I want to ask you, uh, do you remember what teams you were on for uh, Playlist Retreat? Can you tell us about that? Oh, gosh. All right. Um, gosh, I'm trying to, all right. Uh, trying to remember what I was on. I was on a team with, uh, uh, with Cody Tatham. Um, uh, fuck, I can't remember what other team where I was on. I'm sorry. No, all good. Uh, Newmark, maybe. Oh, shout um, out! Shout out, Uncle. Yeah. Uncle uh, New. Mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta remember. Yeah, that's crazy. That's just, um. I mean, for people that don't know what that is, obviously it's uh, Jeff selects what fifty is it fifty people or something like that to come to this retreat? Yeah, like fifty was I think the first year, and then like it kind of grew exponentially, and it's kind of thing like you know like here's the core group of people that he he selected right, and then like they'll select more people the following year, but then like alumni will come down and be a whole thing, right? You know, so it's yeah. it's grown in size and scope. I didn't go obviously last, but he didn't have it last year, but I didn't go in two thousand and nineteen. And I didn't go in 2018. Um, so I for two I missed it for two years just because yeah. I was, you know, I forget what's happening, mar- weddings or things like that, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's great. The best, the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you know, privileged to have even been thought of, you know, to be included in, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, there, we have a couple more fan questions. I don't want to tie you up for too long here. Um, Karen Bowler asks, tell us about... Oh, Portland. shout out, Karen. How was your experience living in Portland? Oh, it was interesting. Shout out to Karen, too. Oh, wait oh. a minute. You lived in Portland? I didn't know this. Come on, Travis. Come on. Oh, no, man. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> so disappointed in myself. We'll cut that out. We'll cut that out. Travis yeah, says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Post-production, Nick. You got this? <laughs> got you. I was in Portland for six months. I lived in Portland for six months. It was interesting. I was, um, it was a time, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time of my life. I had been living in New York for a long time. I was really considering, really leaning towards moving to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, it was around the time that I was really, 2011, 2012, uh, you know, by this point, I had been messing with the do-over for five wow. years, mm-hmm. five years at that point, mm-hmm. but by this time, like we were really like on it, like we were traveling incessantly. I was doing all the do-overs. I was doing so many of them. You know what I'm saying? Definitely was like kind of the thing. So I was thinking about. I'd been thinking about moving to to LA, but then it was also like I was still somewhat non-committal. Also knowing that like if I were to move to LA, kind of like half-assed. Right, I'd have been like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna go here and try it out." And then I'd blink my eyes, and 20 years would have passed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't. I was. So I was kind of non-committal in that, right? So I and I didn't want to do the Bay. It's too expensive anyway. Yeah. Um. So I decided to try the West Coast out, which was Portland, right? Um. And 
you know, part of that whole thing was because I'd be doing the circuit. I'd play in Portland. I wasn't even playing in Portland, but I would play a lot in Seattle, play a lot in the Bay, play a lot mm. in LA, right? You know, okay. um, so it was interesting in the fact that it was six months there, really pretty, really, really close to nature, mm-hmm. cool, really white. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, super white well and i was just like and i had not realized it and i it was one of the things i was saying you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> everyone listening in portland right now is like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I was just, so I, I made it i made it for june I made it through June and um and uh and then I said I need to I need to go. I just yeah. need to go. my mental health. But you know, and I'm 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 not an unstable guy. Like I I, I live in a place, you know. And that's funny because I moved back to Philly in the sense of having left Portland, came back here. My entire family, like we're born and raised here, but all by that time when my mom was living here, my mom and my sister, right? And uh, you know, it was then I started traveling even more and you know when i left portland i was i was on a plane you know 175 days a year you know 200 days a year crazy crazy traveling like crazy right so i'm like you know doing this doing that i'm like i don't even need an apartment man i'll get a storage unit you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. you know and it got to the point where i was like i felt i was like had my shit here in philly and i'd stay here on off days uh, and that's when I kind of fell back in love with Philly after having lived in Brooklyn. I lived in New York for a better part of 15 years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I was like, oh, snap. Like, I could, you know, I'd kind of fall in love, back, back, back in love with Philly. And that's when I went to DJ school and a whole bunch of other stuff. And, and that was a few years ago, and I, I've been here ever since. So shout out to Portland for allowing to open up the door to me be back to Philly. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> in Portland, you can always come back and burn the place down whenever you want to come out because yeah. you're a Cosmo Baker. And if you want to DJ, you can always come DJ with us. But yes, you can. I don't, I don't, I don't want it to sound as if though, like, Oh, like Portland's, uh, it's just like, especially at that point in my life, it just didn't fit for me, but it's definitely a so dope in the sense of livability and the other thing, which actually reminds me very much of the Philly thing, is that like the artistic and musical community, man, y'all have a really, really incredibly tight knit scene. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, like, back in the day, going there, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, you know, like a whole lot of homies would be out there doing their stuff. That pool, uh, at Tube, and you know, Evil One, and Doc mm-hmm. Adam, and like a whole bunch of homies out there. They were doing a whole bunch of shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, yo, like. Even that being 10, 15 years ago, you know what I'm saying? It still seems as if there like kind of that spirit and that that uh that mentality permeates. So like, you know, being in Portland, you know, just living there, maybe not a thing, but like being there is like a beautiful thing. It's an incredible thing. So like yeah. shout out to Portland, shout out to yeah. Rip City. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are awesome. I mean, you know, go Sixers, but hey, you know, hey. Hey. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> your obsession with mangoes. Obviously, you know what the next question is. Love them. You know what the next question is. Uh, our guests from two weeks ago, Sophie Nam asked, what's the perfect ratio 
uh, between chili lime seasoning to a mango. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> all right, first of all, mangoes all day. All right, secondly, that's a really good question, you know, because, like, what's your personal preference? Personally, my preference is that you want to hit that sweet spot between the mango and the spice, right? So, you know, I eyeball it, and what I try to do is make sure that at least one side, one side of the mango piece is completely coated. Mm. One side. Because I also like heat. I like a little spice, you know? Well, you've been hanging out with uh, Scratch Bastard, who's uh, no stranger to the spice game. He knows a lot about spice, man. He knows a lot about hot sauce, right? Yeah. So absolutely, without question, um, one side fully dusted, you know? I like a spice. I like it. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing: like you don't, if it's too much tagine, right? Um, then it's gonna get, you know, that little dry, that little dry. You, you don't want that. You don't want that because you want the moist, the mangoes, bro. Mango. Hmm. <laughs> that's it. That's, yes, that's it. I love that. A perfect <laughs> even coat. That's on a one professional side. review. Um, I want to ask you two more questions before we wrap up, but I'm going to pass it to Neek real quick. Oh, yeah, real quick. So um, we are now putting DJs in places to get endorsement deals by fast food establishments. Um, you know, BTS is now the new uh, group to have a group to have a meal with McDonald's, a la Travis Scott and Bad Bunny. So now we get to do the Cosmo Baker meal. What is it and where is it? Oh, snap, for real? Uh, do I have to choose a, do I have to use a, uh, I have to choose a uh, fast food? You have to choose an establishment and what your meal is there. So okay. like what's your go-to fast food spot and what are you eating? All right, damn. Talk about putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> Can we do like, but it's got to be like a, a national brand. Right? It's got to be national. I mean, I'll let you go like regional, but not local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like I can't say South Philly Barbacoa. I got to do like right, right. <laughs> like, don't hit me with a Wawa sandwich or something like that. Oh, man, and it's got to be something. Does it have to be something that like this sandwich is like reflective of me as a person? Or, or... no, I just what do you eat there? You know. I mean, I'm gonna tell you right now. <laughs> I mean, I'll fuck around with Arby's. Hey, who the fuck? That's great. Nobody eats Arby's. So what do you get there? With the horsey sauce and the horseradish and the yep. peas. With the onion bun. Yep. It's just enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's mad. It's got flavors and it's got layers. Oh yeah, what are we drinking with it? Oh, I mean, it's got. I mean, I, I drink water, right? You know what I'm saying. But, but, uh, all right, what are we drinking with it? Fucking. All right, you want me to f be funny? All right, Tahitian treat. Oh, you don't have that. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know about that. I know about that. All right, cool. Tahitian treat. Yeah. RBC. Hell yeah. Bear in mind, you'll never, ever, in real life, ever catch me eating one of those or drink one of them ever at all. But like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, cause you got like you got three weeks to live. All right, give me all the RB sandwiches. Hell yeah. Hell yeah.
Yo, go to that, the Arby's, pull up to the Arby's and get you the Cosmo Baker meal. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, Cosmo, so we are um, getting our 505 playlist together on Spotify. What song do we need to add to this playlist? Uh, is it something that, is it something that, um, uh, uh, what song? Any song, any song that, that Cosmo Baker thinks that, that we need to add to the playlist. It could be anything. Anything. Um, shit. Um, fuck. All right. Can we do Atomic Dog? Say what? Atomic Dog? Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, God, I I have so many more questions I want to ask, but we'll have to have you back, man. Um, all right, let me ask this real quick. I have to ask this. Uh, tell us about any interactions with Dilla. Mm. Dilla? Mm. He was, uh, he would come to Philly and he would do like, um, so basically the whole Soul Quarians thing, right? You yeah. know, he would come to Philly and he would be here recording with like Soul Quarians and they were all recording in, in like uh, the Larry Gold's studio, it was called the studio, right? You know, mm-hmm. so we would be in this like close proximity, right? Never actually got a chance to like meet him or shake his hand, mm-hmm. right? The no official like interactions with him, right? You know, which was a bummer. Yeah. But here's the thing, like we was at a time when, you know, his influence on what the Soul Quarians were doing and all the stuff that they were working on out in Philadelphia and with stuff with like uh, uh, like Commons, like Water for Chocolate, mm-hmm. Mama's Gun, the whole Neo Soul kind of scene, right? You know, that was something that was really permeating that was happening in Philadelphia. And Dylan would be here. He would come and they would record, you know what I'm saying? Doing whatever, or they'd just be parlaying. And then people would come to the Monday night party you know, which we were to be doing, which was like Rich and I, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really interesting thing in the sense that like a lot of the stuff that was being recorded would then influence a lot of the stuff that Rich and I would be playing and then vice versa. I really do believe that, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like in a symbiotic relationship, you know what I'm saying? Where, you know, we playing certain records and certain sounds and whatnot. And then, you know, these guys would be going to the studio the next day. They'd be coming out with a record, you know? So I actually was really super psyched on Slum and you know Dilla in general. You know I was, you know, been a fan since like, you know Keith Murray and Skills and Busta Rhymes and shit like that. You know, um, so I got an opportunity to book Slum for my birthday party, and I was super super psyched for it. And he had to cancel out in the last minute, so he wasn't able to be there for my birthday. Um, Shout out to my homie Des Andres, who was there, and he came as the the DJ for Slum, mm. uh, which was funny too because, you know, shout out to T three Batin RIP, and Des Des who, like, I must have met at some point during that evening, right? But then him and I reconnected last year during pandemic. And him and I started talking about it. And he was just like, yeah, I remember 
coming to Philly. This is like 20 years ago, right? You know what I'm saying? So we didn't even realize, even though at this point we've already DJed together, we've done two overs together, you know? So, um, and then we were like, oh shit, that was you 20 years ago. So, <laughs> so the closest that I actually had an encounter and in interaction with Dilla was just being in the same room and the same party with him. You know what I'm saying? Um, which would happen oftentimes in Philly. Still legendary, man. And I was, you know, and I was also that was a shorty. I was a young buck, you know, back then. I mean, not that. You know. Hell yeah, Duke Duke of Earl era. Duke of Earl. <laughs> Got an Duke of Earl and Hollerboard era was my <laughs> movement. <laughs> you know, obviously everyone knows where to catch Cosmo Baker on socials, but I want you to tell them where they can find you on Twitch and when you do that. Why, thank you, sir. I would be very happy to do that. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm Cosmo Baker at Cosmo Baker or twitch.tv slash Cosmo Baker. Um, I just, I didn't realize, but I just had my one year anniversary, Twitch anniversary. Hey, congrats. So congrats. I'm actually putting together, I don't know if this is going to be out by the time this happens or not, but this year is my 30th year as a DJ. Ooh. It's actually my 31st, but I'm not counting 220, 2020. There you go. Don't do that. So this year is my 30th year as a DJ. So I'm putting together a series of online events, which are going to be online and in person, um, which are going to also be with a lot of my friends, special invited guests, a lot of people who a lot of people may know, will definitely know, but also a lot of DJs who have been instrumental in my career, you know? So it's just a way of kind of celebrating 30 years. Mm -hmm. So uh, hopefully in the next few weeks, I'll be able to announce that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but other than that, Mondays is the remedy, which is the party that I used to do at Fluid that I would talk about, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Started it up again, Mondays, seven to nine Eastern. First Monday of the month, uh, we do it six to 10. That's Rich Medina and I doing it together. So first Monday of the month is Rich and I doing it together on his channel. Every other month is on my channel. Uh, and then Friday nights, I do a show called Disco Verite, which is just me playing my disco records and my disco collection, funk records and whatnot. And that's fun, you oh, know? Yeah. I like disco a lot. So, oh, yeah. like, you know, so, and then on, I do random things. I'm doing um, Quest Love's Black Stream Live this Friday. Hmm. Um, which is cool. That's on, that's called OK DJ on Black Screen Live. Um, and I do tons of other stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, out, I'm out there. I'm, I'm out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you said you have some live stuff, some IRL stuff on the books. Are you about to roll that out? Yeah, I mean, it's all starting to happen. It's all starting to happen. I know it's all happening with you guys too, right? Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. You think about like last year, everything kind of opened, like just disappeared overnight, right? Yeah. And over the weeks, in a few weeks, I mean, I'm getting requests to go out of town, you know, West yeah. Coast, down south, Miami, New York, I'm getting all these requests already, right? You know, nothing international yet. Um, and I really think that we're not going to see a return to what it will be until next year. Honestly, you know, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but like, you know, right now we're all just kind of towing, we're testing the water. 2020. We'll see we'll back to what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's as far back to it being what it is it can be, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, here in Philly, we're doing stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's happening, which is DIY as well. You yeah. know, um, yeah. 
doing stuff in the park or as a spot, you know what I'm saying? Which I have plans on doing as well. So you I know, saw that, that Jay's bringing back uh, Made in America this, yes. this summer. Yes, I saw that. Uh, you know, I, I, I they just announced that last week, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully it'll that'll be. I mean, if it's him and and Beyonce, I'm, I'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Why not? Right. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, so it's cool, man. I mean, so the so the in real life stuff is is happening for everybody, and I think that it's going to it's going to slowly unfold out for all of us, you know, as we kind of figure it out. And I'm really looking forward to to seeing everybody kind of being back uh, yeah. in the environment again. Yeah, you know, it'll be cool. I don't know, all of us will really missed it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's Bro. it's all happening, man. And uh, and like we do around here. Um, we have a lot of young listeners, a lot of up and coming producers, a lot of up and coming DJs. Um, any words of wisdom, any any gems you want to drop on them before we roll out? Um, well, when I said before, like um, there's that quote, that Frankie Knuckles quote, um, which is the minute you think you're bigger than the music, you're, you're, you're through, right? Um, at the same time, you know, don't be afraid to be yourself and don't be afraid to, to, to try something new and try something different. Uh, even if somebody may look down on it or, you know, try to shit on you and whatnot, you know, you know, music is an ever changing thing, right? It's, it's constantly moving. It's constantly moving. It's designed to, there's a quote by Cannibal Adderley, which is music ain't designed to stand still. Right. You know, and to me, that just kind of speaks of the way that music has been this, this constant communication and narrative between generations and communities and all that stuff, you know, and, you know, for the up and coming producers and DJs, you're a part of this too. They're a part of that story. You know what I'm saying? We're all part of the story, right? So, you know, don't be afraid to tell your part of the story and understand your connection to it, right? Um, yeah, and but do it with heart, do it with soul, do it because you love it, do it because you believe in it. Don't do it before a paycheck, you know? If you do it for a paycheck, then do something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be a banker. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Do this because because it means something to you and the music means something to you. So, mm-hmm. and if you do it and you do it with that, you'll never work a day in your life. You'll always feel that connection. You'll always feel that happiness, man. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Word up. Love that. Cosmo fucking Baker. You heard it. The fucking legend. I gotta lick off a few more Gazilla shots for him. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Next time you come out to Portland, we'll have a trophy waiting for you, my friend. Um, fucking legend, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you have a million stories. I'm sure there's a million, a billion more. Um, we gotta have you back on. Uh, everyone, go check out this man if you aren't already. I know some of the younger guys need to get hip to some of the the reason that we're doing this thing and that's this gentleman right here um along with along with many others man um we will be back next week with another surprise guest we like to keep you on your toes uh this week cosmo (laughs) baker this week man come on it's cosmo fucking baker this week yeah. Let's go. Billy in the building. Cosmo, uh, and we got to shout out Bootsy, too. Make sure we shout out Bootsy, uh, who's chilling as well. Yeah, Boots. Bootsy. All the way, buddy. All the way up, up, up. There he is. There he is. Hey. I'd rather be with you. Ooh, yeah. 
He's like, yo, I'm sleeping, G. What's good? <laughs> just sitting because I'm sitting in my living room this entire time. He's been sitting on laying on the ground in the front door, just kind of staring at me, like, when are we going out? When are we going out, Deco? Yeah, what are you talking about? Let's go. He's ready. He's ready. Thank you, Cosmo. We yes. gotta check in, we gotta tap in with you and we're out in Philly, man. Uh it's been an honor. Thank you, sir. This has been the Five on Five podcast presented by Direct Music Service and Nukes Hot Sauce with yours truly and Cosmo Baker. We'll see y'all next week.